All right, everybody, welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast. This is a podcast where I stand comedian Joe Kilgallen. I like to sit back, have some drinks with people, and recreate the bar conversations we all know and love. Big shout out to all my YouTube subscribers. I can't do it without you. You guys have been awesome. Thanks for supporting the podcast. As always, thanks to the Patreons. You can subscribe to the Patreon. There's a, as cheap as a $3 tier. I call it your draft beer tier. Gets you access to all sorts of bonus stuff. I've been doing um, some fuck, Mary kills with people. A lot of fun doing with Lisa Traeger last week. Comedian who's been on Netflix and Comedy Central. I also have a bonus with uh, former Chicago Cubs and Red Sox and Reds and Marlins pitcher Ryan Dempster who is an analyst on the MLB Network as well as the Marquee Network covering the Chicago Cubs. Great dude. So yeah, definitely check that stuff out. And now without further ado though, I'm very excited for today's guest. Uh, one of my oldest friends in stamp comedy, a man I've known for a very long time, had the, the privilege of attending his wedding this past December. <laughs> one of the greatest weddings. Normally I mute the guest so you can hear him laughing at the bullshit I'm saying. Uh, without further ado, let's bring him on. You saw a little glimpse of him in the intro there. Everyone, welcome to the podcast, CJ Teledano. What's up, dude? Dude, no, not privilege. We were privileged to have you there. Stop it, man. That was one of the best weddings of all time. That, and, man. Yeah. And I'm not bragging, but I've been to the wedding of a Stanley Cup champion, and I feel like you guys... <laughs> Fucking dude, one of the coolest weddings. That's I just so feel like everyone, everyone, like when we talked to who we talked to was who was there. Like we all must have knew in a small part of our brain that we were about to be locked inside. Cause yeah, that was just like the party of my life or our life. I, I have no regrets. Like I lost things. I like got hurt. I like hurt my ankle, but I'm like no regrets on how hard we went. You were shirtless dancing. I remember some some good old fashioned shirtless two nights dancing. in a row. Yeah. It was such a great time. I love a destination wedding, especially a cool yeah. place like Palm Springs. And it was great because it was like a reunion. We were able to see East Coast comics I haven't seen in a while, like, you know, L.A. comics I've missed so much, you know, after living in L.A. for, well, I was there for a good three and a half years. So it was yeah. a nice, nice little reunion. And, and everything was just like, I feel like you guys thought party first. What will be the most memorable party? Obviously, it was beautiful, too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. No, we really were like... We want the people who are coming from out of town to have have it be a vacation for them. Like, we've all been invited at wedding cross country or another part of the country where you're like, I don't want to go. Like, it's I could save money and I could stay home. Like, but like we wanted it to be worth it for people, whether or not they actually liked us or not. You know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, if, and I, I viewed it as a vacation, so I'm glad you guys kept yeah. that in mind for people. I remember there was a few times where I was throwing a lot of money around where I'm like, I probably should be watching it a little bit, but I'm also like, this is our vacation. The wife and I haven't been away from the kids for a full weekend, like ever. Yeah. So it was definitely, I'm sure I'll remember stuff throughout, but let's hope that you don't have an incident. And guys, we're jumping right into this. Okay, we're going Jeopardy, we're going Jeopardy style. And you know Jeopardy style, CJ, when you get right into the questions and then later yeah. you get to know the guest. I always right. like that about Jeopardy. Get the questions. Commercial break. Hey, what's up? Oh, Great segment producers. Yeah. The best. You and I got into a thing on Twitter about a great <laughs> movie. You, me, and uh, Connor, right? Connor, yeah. Uh, Connor Sullivan. We, yeah, Connor Sullivan. I couldn't remember who the third one was. and I, I, I'm sorry, Connor, if you're listening, buddy. I, I just, you know, I'm a very busy man. <laughs> I, I, also, I've gotten dumber during quarantine. I just really have. Because I, I, I spend my days talking to a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, you, you know, I've, I've, dumbed, I've dumbed it down enough. <laughs> but it mean, like... Level. Connor Sullivan feels like it should be said on the Joe Kilgallen podcast every episode, whether really, you know him or not. It really does, right? <laughs> and that movie is the movie Castaway. Yeah. Now, 
I, I it's a great movie. I mentioned <laughs> Tom Hanks' performance, stellar. Yeah. I always had a problem with that movie, and that was Helen Hunt's character being one of the biggest piece of shit characters <laughs> in movie history, if you ask me. She's right up there with Bonnie from Toy Story 4, which yeah. was the ultimate, not on the surface shitty, because there's some characters that are obviously shitty. Scar mm-hmm. from Lion King, any killer in a horror movie, clearly bad characters. I bring up Bonnie Hunt, or Helen Hunt, no relation to Bonnie Hunt, I believe. No. But I was thinking Bonnie from Toy Story 4, who, by the way, Bonnie Hunt does do a voice in Toy Story 4. I'm all over the place, everyone. I'm excited. Helen Hunt's character is Tom Hanks' wife. Now, listen, when you think your loved one has died, Mm -hmm. of course you're expected to move on at some point. For those of you who don't know, spoiler alert, passed away. (laughs) She, when Tom Hanks finally gets back to shore, he's gone for four years, he finds Helen Hunt, you know, his beloved wife, the woman who kept him going when he was on some island, just clinging to life, <laughs> losing his shit, talking to a volleyball. No, he was becoming smarter, becoming more of the, of the world. He was becoming very worldly, that's true. Yeah. And I, do, I, do, I did find it interesting that his hair got blonder. I wonder that. That's another tangent, but go ahead. I, I love this S- we were getting to. Save, save that thought about the blonde thing, because I read another crazy thing recently. <laughs> It has to do with the sun. That's what okay. I want you to okay. help me re- help me remember the blonde thing. All right, he's you know he's, he becomes friends with Wilson the volleyball, and it's still one of the most heartbreaking scenes in any movie is when Wilson floats away. Uh, I still get so sad because that's like yeah. that's all he had. You know yep. what I mean? That's why I, I always get heartbroken when I hear about people being mean to homeless people. Or there was a story where some people took like a dog away from a homeless guy because they're like, you can't take care of this dog. I'm like, fuck that. The dog seemed happy with the homeless guy. They were managing. Don't take all, the only thing he has. Yeah. Anyway, that shit depresses me. And and then this, the movie depressed me. But then I'm thinking, all right, it's going to get back together with Helen Hunt. But no, she already married. And your point was, well, dude, I mean, she thought he was dead. And that's this is where you're a sweetheart of a guy. I was fine. You know what? I, I, I stood by that, and I wasn't going to be deterred from thinking that until you really broke down this timeline, which is just like a movie I've seen 30 times. Dude, you know what? And you've almost ruined it. You've made it like it, a revenge movie now to me. This is though how fucked up my brain was. I used to be really like an insecure guy in the sense that I would joke with my now wife, like, if you ever cheated on me, here's what would happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. crazy shit like that. Like, you know, in the early days when we first started dating, like in high school. I had one buddy, one of my best, still a really good friend of mine, stood up in my wedding, my buddy Duffy. I'm sure he doesn't mind the shout out. He told me that he once told his now wife, who's been with, you know, since they've known each other since grade school, for God's sakes. He told her that if you were to ever cheat on me, I wouldn't do anything to you, but I would kill your entire family. Oh, my God. That way, every time you thought about your dead family, no. you know it was because you were a no good whore. That's what he fucking would say to her, which was nuts. But no. it was also funny. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong. I mean, this yeah. was like 2002, 2003, everybody. You know, different times. Clearly, if he said that now, we would all tell her, you got to get out of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, so I, that movie, Castaway, came out around that time period. So I think I had that mentality when I saw it. So I know I'm doing a lot of talking here, but CJ, let me just break down the tweet for Please, all Please, no, this is great. It, it changed my mind. Go ahead. I did the math on the four years he was gone. Now, he gets lost at sea. There's a search. There's a hopefully like a rescue attempt. They're, they're looking for him. So they don't know. In my mind, I'm doing this from my point of view, though. Helen Hunt, clearly different. 
I give you one year to grieve. Not one year to grieve. One year to keep hope alive that he's still alive. <laughs> one hope in which you're like, no, I, I refuse to believe he's dead. He's somewhere. We need to. Yeah. I, I, I won't believe he's dead. Then by the end of that year, you come to grips. All right, he's dead. Now you get a year of grief where you're just like, I can't believe I lost my husband, the love of my life. At least that's quick. It's, a it's, year is quick in the grief I think period. I 100% agree with you. So now we're two years in. Then you get a year to date around. Okay, you just get back out there. But even the first six months, you're like, I can't. This is just, and no dude wants to commit because it's like, yeah. do you want to follow the dude that didn't do anything wrong? He just died. <laughs> and died in a way there's no closure. Probably on the news. Probably like they know, everyone around knows who that guy is. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to follow that guy. So a lot of guys are going to be like, all right, I'm going to try to get in there, have a little yeah. fun, <laughs> and bounce, you know? Doesn't work that way. She ends up, you know, settling down. And by year four, when he gets back, she's already, like, happily married to the point where she's like, I can't leave this dude for you, even though you were great, we were great. There was no indication that their marriage sucked, right? So in my brain, Helen Hunt should have been like, oh, my God, you're back, the love of my life. Hey, dude, I've known for a year and some change. Bye fucking buy you'll get over it you barely knew me why the fuck do we get married so soon i know well that's the thing is like i wish it was a little bit longer to find that story out and like they made out obviously it's a complicated situation but i also too the and i didn't watch sex in the city that's who that guy uh the dentist in castaway his other his biggest role in life is um, Mr. Big on Sex yeah. and the City, right? Which by the, did they call him Big because he was swinging some pipe? Did he have a big dick? Is that what they call him I don't big? know. And, and I never remember it in my brain when I asked Megan or her friends. And I watched a little bit of Sex and the City, but like, I never knew if he was like a good guy or not. Yeah, like, I've what seen about, his... I'm like you. I've seen about 50 episodes of Sex and yeah. the City. I kind of enjoy it while I'm watching it. No, it's I, a great sitcom. Great. I never remember yeah. any parts of it, though, the next time I watch it, I feel like. Yeah. So I was like, by casting him, are you supposed to, in like his look, are you supposed to assume he's an asshole? And so you're always supposed to side with Tom Hanks in that? Well, you know, his other big role before that was, he was one of the cops on Law and Order Criminal Intent. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it was just regular Law and Order. So I'm kind of thinking, I don't know, he's like, he's a dude, he's kind of got like one of those, um, it's like a Baldwin physique. Yeah, yeah. Where you're like, you're not fat, but you're not like skinny. Yeah. And he's got like a big head, you know. I mean, he seems like a handsome man. He's got like that kind of old Hollywood character. I don't man. know. Yeah, I mean, I guess when he was younger, he was probably a little bit more svelte and like. But yeah, as I, if I liked men, I don't think he would do it for me though. But like, I think people like Big, big or whatever, Mister Big. I, but do they like him in comparison to um, Sarah Michelle? No, what the fuck's her name? Sarah Jessica Parker's other dudes. Um, that- I don't know. I don't know. Is that why? You know? But no, but you're you're right like um it's got to be a longer conversation. I think I just <laughs> that's what killed me about that movie cuz in my head I'm like they she should have just gotten back with him. She should have said to the new guy, "Look, I know this is insane and this sucks, but I thought he was dead." Yeah. We, I got at least give me a month with the guy. We got to I don't know. I just uh, it it was heartbreaking that he, he gets back home, and now it's like, all right, what do I do next? Well, deliver this fucking package, I guess. Oh, wait, but with that woman, was there something with the woman, do you think? Um, they kind of give an indication that, so remember he's at an intersection. Yeah. 
and there's different this, that, and then the woman who he talks to, it's like, oh, I tried to deliver your package. That's what's implied. I think they have, the idea is that he now has endless possibilities in his life. You know, he now has freedom. There's, I could go down this road, that road, I could talk to her. Like yeah. there's just, it's an, even though the life as he knew it is gone, you know, he, but he now lives to like a new horizon, I guess they're trying to tell you like, but it's just weird for you as the viewer because you're, you put yourself in Tom Hanks' situation. What would I do? How would mm -hmm. I survive on this island doing all I can to get home to my wife? And to the life I had. Well, not wife yet, but... Oh, yeah, that's right. They were going to have the conversation. That's that's right. It's all... Yeah, I mean, it, that's what makes it even more heartbreaking. It's just like, they weren't even there yet. And I guess that was a little bit of the credit they're giving Helen Hunt's character to move on. Because, like, in their eyes, in that converse, that last conversation, you're like, they're probably going to get married, right? And so she's prepping herself. It's time to settle down. And that's the only pro like check mark for me for her to like get married so quickly is that she knows her she is personally very ready um and maybe the questions going through her head as she was dating that dude was like i can't wait around for another guy <laughs> the last guy died in a plane crash you know so that's the only the only <sighs> with that timeline yeah. you've described is the only um reasoning for me yeah, to think that's you okay. make you make a good point. That's I forgot. I thought they were married for some reason. They didn't have any kids. She didn't have kids with the new guy, right? No. No. See, again, that's still enough where I'm like, let's get this shit annulled. I can't I don't know. That's that's what kills me because there was no closure between them other than her just moving on to another guy. Yeah. But they kissed. So like a good kiss it was in the rain. <laughs> yeah, in the rain kiss, Tom Hanks, Helen Hunt. Like those are the 90s romantic comedy feel-good movie characters and they're kissing in the rain we don't appreciate that movie enough yeah no that was a great movie i wish if they were kissing like in the snow it'd be like yeah fuck it they yeah. don't they don't belong together <laughs> the rain something about the rain yeah because the rain is like i don't give a shit i'm gonna get wet for you and then it's water is sexual i feel like cause, yeah you know, water is the thing of life right we all need water and he got dropped off by a cab and like they yeah they sat in the jeep Oh my god, yeah, that, that shit is like, that's good. That's some good movie making. It really is. Now, I want to mention this. We talked about your wedding. I yeah. was at your beautiful bride, comedian Megan Gailey, everybody, mm -hmm. uh, who you do a podcast with. We can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. I was at the bachelorette party. Now, I've talked about this a million <laughs> times on the podcast. Maybe not a million, but four or five times. Megan was on the podcast like a month or so ago. It was a fun time. Slightly awkward being the only guy. Should have done security. You and her idea. Um, I, I threw a guy. That was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, awesome. Thank but you. But here's here's part of the bachelorette party that I have never talked about on a podcast, and that's they were playing these games. Yeah. So listeners who are I, I don't know what my demographics are, but my male listeners, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but women at bachelorette parties played games. Yeah. They also take a lot of pictures. There are like no pictures at bachelor parties, rarely. Uh, you might see one or two, but it's unlikely. And they give each other gifts, which I felt like a real dick. I didn't know that. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's giving Megan gifts, and I'm standing there like, I didn't fucking know about a gift. Why, why would you give someone a gift? I thought this was a party. I didn't, like, it's not your birthday. Yeah. What are you, 12? Like, why, why are we giving you gifts? And they're all like, that's standard. Anyway, um, 
But it was funny because Lisa Traeger was on the podcast last week toward the end of the night. They were like, you have to make sure Megan gets home safe. That's your gift. And I'm like, well, I would have done that anyway. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would have left early going, find your own way home. I got you a fucking sweater. Like, I'm not. Um, but one of the games was trivia questions about you. Yeah. And Megan got them all right, except one question, which I got oh, right. I what? Okay, well, yeah, what is it? Tell me. Who was your first girlfriend? <laughs> You don't mind yeah. me saying, do you? No, you can't. You can yeah. say. Uh, Mo Welch. Who's yeah. Awesome. I, like, I'm going to get her on the podcast soon. There's debate uh, on whether or not we were actually boyfriend-girlfriend. But, yeah, we dated. Either way, that was the answer you gave. I got it right. Yeah. And then the very next question, which Megan did get correct, the question was, what is CJ's favorite movie? You could say it. Go ahead. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Which is also my favorite movie. Yeah. So yeah. right when I answered that one, I was like, maybe CJ and I have something <laughs> special here. Maybe that would I be a, that'd be like a very progressive romantic comedy. But you know what's funny about yeah, very progressive. But you know what's funny about that? I feel like if someone were going to cast a male Megan Gailey, I'm not saying I'd get the part. I'm not saying I'd get the part, but I'd be on the call sheet. Oh, you would. I would read you, for it for sure. You know how Hollywood works. It would be yours. Yours to lose. They would yeah. bring in other people to be like, beat, beat Joe. Good luck. It's Joe's part, but like, we yeah, want to see it. I know how Hollywood works. They would give it to Andrew Santino, yeah. <laughs> even though he has brown eyes. Um, but, but yeah, yeah no. I mean, I shout out to you for doing that. Like, I didn't even know um, that you would like be security for them, and like, people were telling me. I had also, I was in the hospital that day. Because I had I had uh, torn a bunch of ligaments in my ankle playing basketball at my bachelor party, uh, which again very ro- romantic comedy style wedding and like bachelor party because we had it on the same weekend, yeah. and she was taking a nap, uh, and apparently I had yeah I was posting stories of me in the ER or in the, yeah in the emergency room, um, or at the hospital and people woke up Megan was like CJ's in the hospital. And I was like, yeah, this is... Which is terrifying to hear. Yeah, terrifying. But now let me ask you this. Were you fouled hard? How did you break your ankle playing basketball? Dude, no. It, it was because I was being fancy and an idiot. What happened right. was there was a running bit that I always scored the, the game winner um, in every game. And we, it, was the, it was day two of the, of the trip, and uh, we were playing some morning games, and we were drinking beers. Everyone who was invited to my bachelor party were the, like, the Saturday morning basketball guys that used to play in. Yeah, like, I people who, that so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we all do now. I mean, but so, like, we were, we were just kind of joking. We were a little drunk, but playing five on five. We rented out this giant cabin with a full-court basketball court. And uh, Zach Pugh... Like, shot a three, and I saw it going to hit off the rim. It was like Rodman in The Last Dance. He was like, if it hits that part of the rim, I know where to go. (laughs) And so I ran, like, from half court, and I was like, I'm going to get the rebound and, like, pretend to dunk it. And I made the the, the put back, but then the court, right where the hoop is, it ends, and it's like a, maybe like this much, what is this, like, seven-inch drop-off, and my ankle just slid from the, from the court down, it just, yeah, it was the worst feeling ever. Yeah, dude, I broke my ankle, like, way back when, so I, whenever I hear any leg injuries, it just always makes me yeah. go, ah, damn, that sucks. Dude, you pulled a Derrick Rose, basically. You went up, came down, and it just... Yeah, I mean, think about that. Like, you know how much I love basketball. 
I then was out from playing basketball for about six months. And then I had a few weeks where I had come back, felt good, getting back into it, and then the pandemic hit. And so I'm like, I'm, it's getting close to a year of non-consistent basketball. Which is crazy for you because you were yeah. definitely like the biggest basketball fan I know. Yeah. And I miss that. Yeah, you organize this great game every Saturday in Silver Lake at mm -hmm. a grade school that we'd get kicked off of sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Never forget that shit. I remember one time they were telling us to leave because there were soccer games going on or something. And then they had people parking their cars, which they never used a lot for cars. And there were so many other spots to park. It was such an L.A. thing of like, we are entitled. Because we have the first right to these spots, we're going to use them. I don't know if you were there for it or if you were off working for the Detroit Pistons. Remember you were doing that? Mm -hmm. But there was, they were doing that thing where we were playing for a little bit and then they were giving us the boot. And then I saw Casey Affleck. Oh my his god! Kid was playing soccer. Yeah, and then I remember going, "Are we getting fucking kicked off the basketball court?" Because KCF, I was like, "I'm gonna fight KCF." Like today's the day. Yeah, I, and I have nothing against KCF <laughs> personally. I guess he's was he's you know was a me too guy where people say he's a yeah. scumbag. So maybe I would have been that would have been great for my career if I just beat the shit out of one of those. Yeah, dudes. that's the, you had the green light. You got to remember that. That's why you got to know those stories. Well, it just felt like one of those things where I'm like, oh. Famous people's kids yeah. are playing fucking soccer, and therefore we can't play basketball. Oh, look at this class is bullshit. That's what it just <laughs> felt like. Because I, I was, you know, but you know what killed me for those games? So I came my first year in LA, 2014 to, you know, halfway through 2015, I played like almost every Saturday. Yeah. I even played hungover. Mm hmm. Long the time story that, yeah. know that story I've told on the podcast. I love hearing it, whether I'm tagged in the tweet about it or not. <laughs> I'm like, I'm tuning in for the whole thing because I just love reminiscing about that. Yeah, I had Ryan Dalton on, and he brought it up last time. It's always better when someone else brings it up. Yeah. And uh, and I always, I always bring it up whenever I get the Facebook memory of that hilarious picture of me, like, laying on that bench. Because <laughs> it was the smallest bench. It was, like, seven inches wide, you know? Big guys wouldn't even send that bench to chance, and I'm, like, laying on it. And it looks like there's vomit beneath me, but I think it was just someone spilled water. But uh, yeah, man, dude, I was my my hangover game was much like Jordan's flu game, where I just showed up, I put in buckets, and I got boards. I played D. I, I did all I could to just get back the, so I could lay down. In the flu game feat, just I don't know if you've ever mentioned it, but like the one of the most impressive feats is that you got over the fence. Like, oh, that's right. The yeah, fence was like maybe nine feet tall at least, and you got to. It's always the swing. The swinging the leg over is like the big leap in faith you got to take and a lot of times it's not successful like your balls can get caught oh my on God, yeah. that that point and so to be as fucking hungover as you were man you puked several times i i i call this jetpack puking and it's based on megan because it's like the puking where you're on the ground and it's just so forceful that your body just levitates just a little bit. <laughs> and I, Megan did it once early in the pandemic, and that was what you did that day. You know, you're, you're, you're reminding me about the fence. So everyone who's not really getting what we're saying, we'd play <laughs> basketball in grade school. And they had like four or five rims, so it was fun to play there because you could get multiple games going. The they would you know it's a Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning basically what we get there like eleven thirty yeah it, it was all locked up so you had to climb the fence and depending on where you parked there was an easy way to get over or a hard way to get over yeah because on the one side of the street I forget the name of the street now you had to like you can almost I don't know you go off like one little thing it was almost like a little cement thing that you could kind of jump off of and makes the jump easier 
But then if you went on the one side that was where the courts were, you're right. It was you were you were playing a, a dangerous game with your nuts, yeah. you know. And I not bragging. I have big feet. I wear like a size 13. So those those links in the gate were never friendly to me. I always hated climbing that. Yeah. Even stone cold sober and excited to play, I was nervous going over that. No, there's there's got to be some comedian who talks about it, but like going over the fence, uh, starting in your your late twenties, it, it's just like you can really change your day if you if like you're excited, your friends are on the all other side, and it's a fence that is a little too tall. I'd be like, hey, I'll catch up with you guys later. You know, it's like it, it's that much of a feat to get over that. It'll scar you though too if you hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a really good friend. I remember growing up, he. Got his, his, you know, he got hurt climbing a fence, you know? Yeah. He, um, like, like a way a skateboarder, but hurt their, themselves. And after that, he was done. I mean, that was when we were like seven or eight. And I lived Damn. in the same block as this kid. So we hung out through, you know, 13, 14 years old before going into high school. And there were times where climbing a fence was necessary, whether it was Halloween and we we're running from the authorities or from other kids. And I'm like, dude, hop the fence. He'd be like, nah, I'm not doing it. And he just, it was in his brain. He would never hop a fence again. It's real yeah. psychological shit. But you know that you mentioned that you're saying some other comedian must have mentioned this fence thing. I am now flashing back to Sarah Silverman was on either a talk show or a podcast, something where it's video, because I remember watching the interview, where she mentioned, she's like, yeah, I play basketball with a bunch of other comedians on mm -hmm. Saturdays, and you have to like, climb a fence to get there. And I'm like, that sounds like my game, but I don't see Sarah Silverman there. It wasn't. It was another game. Okay, I didn't know she played once. Game. It yeah. was like I play every week and lying to the American public. I think yeah, I think she might have played and yeah, a few outdoor games I had heard of, um, and then some other. I watched that Pistol Shrimps documentary, a little bit of it. Do you remember? Did you remember hearing about that? No, I didn't. There's a um, a uh, women's basketball league out here that's mostly comprised of uh, comedians, producers, industry people. I saw the trailer, but I've yeah. not seen it. Yeah, okay. And uh, she has a few parts in that where she talks about s some Saturday games that I, I don't know about. You know, there yeah. was one game at like um, Pan Pacific Park or something like yeah, that, I think. Yeah, that was Is another spot. over there? Poinsettia, too. Oh, Poinsettia, maybe I'm thinking yeah. it might be a fence. No, I don't know. I kind of was in a game over there. Yeah. Either way, though, man, um, let's go back to Ferris Bueller for a second or yeah. two. And then I do want to get into some basketball with you and some mm -hmm. highlights uh, questions I got for you. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off to me is, you know, my favorite movie. I enjoy it so much and love it so much that when I find out people don't like it, I do judge them. Yeah. Is that my own thing or are you like that too? No, I, yeah, I, I, I am like you. I just don't understand. It, it's like, it's the perfect balance of you resonate with the character or any of the characters, but it's also as absurd as a movie can get, you know? It's like you want a movie to dramatize um events are like the funniest most sensationalized version of things but then to also be able to relate to that and like watch it multiple times and relate to ferris to cameron to sloan to his sister to his parents like i yeah when when a movie makes me feel differently with every viewing it's good so i'm like if you can't find an entry point in that movie i think you're clinically insane i would agree and i also think there are some people that we know these movie snobs yeah. you're a big movie guy. You see a lot of movies. Yeah. I like movies, but I don't consider myself a movie buff. There was a time in my life where I was like obsessively like, let's go to the movies all the time, like every weekend. Yeah. But those, with kids, it's almost impossible too. But I think there are these movie snobs that they go into a movie looking to not like it. And I'll say his name. I've said his name. <laughs> before. 
It's comedian Adam Burke. He's been on the, he's been on the podcast a couple times. Everyone listening, longtime listeners will know what I'm talking about. Look up Adam Burke. He's a great comedian, like unbelievably funny. But uh, when it comes to this, man, I really it got serious, and people were like, "Joe, come on, dude, what are you not gonna be friends with Burke? You guys are really good buddies. You're not gonna be friends with him over this." I go, "Listen, how could I trust him ever again?" Same on a show with him, CJ. Say we're on the same lineup together yeah, yeah. At, the, at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Uh-huh. I'm coming from another club. I'm coming from, like, up the street. I'm coming from Zanies or somewhere. And it's he just gets off stage and we're about to go on. I say to him, hey, how, how is the crowd? I can't trust him because I know he doesn't <laughs> like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. First of all, don't set me up to Ether, our good friend, uh, Adam Burke. No, I saw uh, you on Bridenstine's podcast with him, right? He was on the panel with you. Yeah, yeah. Every time I see him on that panel, I fucking text Bridenstine going, "Is this this shit's on purpose, right? You ready? You guys talk about me? Talk about Ferris?" No. <laughs> By the way, Adam, if you're listening, you know I fucking love you. I actually texted him a couple days ago. We're cool, but this is really we'll it never be strange. as cool as we were. No, I'm, I'm gonna next time I see Adam, I'm probably gonna ask him about it. And there are some other people who I really respect. Uh, Old time Conan writer who is, I've seen him. I, I just follow him. I'm such a big fan of his on Twitter and. There were some old comedy message boards he used to interact with people on, and he's he's like known for being the most positive, nice guy. And uh, he was also at Conan when I was interning there. It has helped me in my career. And he saw I saw him tweet multiple times like the one thing that people, all people love, but I don't is Ferris Bueller. And that was always such a wild because he lived in Chicago, loves Chicago, and there will be a time when I go on Twitter and I go, Hey Brian, I don't know if you remember me, but and I'm just gonna write an essay about Ferris Bueller because I don't understand. I, Especially if you love Chicago because John mm-hmm. Hughes has stated that Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a love letter to the city of Chicago. Yeah. I downloaded the song Big City Now Now. I don't mm-hmm. remember who wrote it or who sings it. That scene where they're going to downtown Chicago. Yeah. I made sure to have downtown Chicago footage as the new intro to this podcast. I like... It's it's weird. Here's uh, let's focus more on Ferris than I guess Chicago. Okay. I look at Ferris Bueller as the ultimate cool guy because even the assistant principal or the principal secretary says everyone loves him. They think he's a righteous dude. Yep. And you being a big John Hughes fan, do you have a tattoo? Everyone, dude, tell yeah. me about the tattoo you got. I got. Um, I don't know. It, on the camera. it doesn't. It honestly oh, faded a little bit. Hold on. Let me see what the best. There we go. A little bit. So it's. The font of Ferris Bueller, of John Hughes, it says a John Hughes film in the font that it appeared uh, in the credits of Ferris Bueller. Yes, so cool. So John Hughes said that I wanted to write a movie about the coolest person I could think of Mm -hmm. that everyone loves. And that's what was cool about because it was a character that, yes, of course, every character has flaws. Now, Adam Burke's whole thing about not liking Ferris Bueller's Day Off was because he was a dick of a friend. Being like he was shitty to Cameron, he he thinks he could get away with everything, and he's your typical suburban rich kid, and so symbolic of the 1980s culture of, you know, blah, 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 Reagan era and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, you're reading too much into a 90-fucking-minute comedy yeah. from John Hughes that came out in 1985. <laughs> and it was, it was embarrassing that some people were even agreeing with him. And I noticed all the people agreeing with him, I'm like, I just finally commented on this one crazy thing where I'm like, I'm sorry you guys all had a shitty time in high school, all right? It's not Ferris's fault. He would not have been shitty to you. He was great to everybody. Remember when people were answering the payphone? Ferris Bueller, that dude's getting me out of summer school. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't need to get fresh from out of summer school, but he was a good guy like that, you know? Well, you know what? I think some people, I'm, I am remembering sort of this conversation that I've had with, um, 
former friends, Megan has told me a little bit about this, but she, she doesn't think it's bad, but like, and maybe you relate to this. We are such, I can say, I, I will say this for myself. I'm a dumbass, but I, I'm a dumbass. I'm stupid. Like I've done some stupid shit. You're not stupid. I'm not, that, not that smart, but man, what a great life I have. I've married Megan, very beautiful lady, very accomplished. Um, but like, and I have a good job that I'm like grateful for and it's, it's a dream job, but man, you, and you saw me during this time in college would take out student loans and not go to class. I would show up late to work and just be an idiot. But I always had in my head, I was like, it'll work out. I'll just throw a little bit of charm on it. I'll be like slick and funny and people will be like, oh, that's a good guy to be around. And I think Ferris is like, I mean, I was probably inspired by a Ferris Bueller type character, you know, like. Oh, just charm them. It'll, that'll save you. And man, it, it kind of <laughs> has. Like, we've gotten places which I, by just being funny and likable and fun to have a conversation with. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Well, remind me exactly what it is. Okay, well, I, I'll differentiate because yeah. it's not... There are two things. There's like the secret, which yeah, I yeah. think is kind of stupid and bullshit. <laughs> and then there's the law of attraction. Well, the secret is derived from the law of attraction. But remember that secret book or documentary was really yeah. popular. Oprah pushed it like 15, 20 years ago or something. And every now and then people bring it up. The secret is like just think and visualize and it'll happen. Not really do it to put the work in. And right. you always did put the work in though because I remember one time me and you were coming from a gig and we were going to the Laugh Factory. Oh, and I, yeah. was, I was like, oh, I'm going to the Laugh Factory because Ahmed Ahmed was performing and I had met him a few times when we were friends. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go see Ahmed Ahmed. He's in town and some of my other friends that I know through Ahmed were going to be there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. I go to go sit in the back row with my friends who were watching Ahmed. Then they go, we have a special guest CJ Teledano, and I'm like, well, I fucking drove him here. You didn't mention he was going on stage. How did this work out? I don't remember those circumstances, but that is a very Ferris Bueller type thing. But you put yourself out there, and you would put yeah. the work in. So even though you had the mentality of this will all work out. So anyway, everyone, the law of attraction is essentially you attract what you believe, but you also have to put work into it. So the law of attraction does believe in you put work in. It's like what you, what you focus on, you can achieve. If that's like your everyday focus. Well, so. and two, it's like that that can always backfire. And it's backfired for me in, in early in my career. Of, I was just talking to someone about this recently of like, again, I had that thought. I'd be like, oh, I'll skip all these classes and I'll just go to open mics and I'll write packets and teach myself how to write for TV. And when I was 23, I got hired for Fallon and I got there in the job. I wasn't ready to back up my insane like plan to get this job, you know? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I like, but I remember just secreting everything. Like you talk about that. I, I liked that mentality. I didn't know, I only knew just like the one idea of thinking of like, just pretend you're gonna get it. Pretend you actually. No, I definitely have yeah. learned more and more than that that works. I've only yeah. kind of read into it over the last like couple years, like two years or so I've kind of been like, mm -hmm. cause I, I started coming across like people the, the phrase law of attraction, I never really heard of until like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Maybe three or four, three years ago. Anyway, and then I was, I kind of dismissed it. And then more and more things came up where people were saying the things that were in regards to the process of the law of attraction. Yeah. You know, like only focus on what you can control and all this kind of stuff. And for people listening who aren't like really sure, Michael Jordan's a great example of that. In the last dance, there were so many examples of him being the law of attraction. Yeah. Just um, being present and my only focus was winning 
and that's why he won. That's all yeah. he worked towards was winning. That's all he thought about. He visualized winning. He saw the shot before the shot happened. He did all this. And there was a great part where some reporter said that Michael Jordan was is the most present human being that he's ever come across, and he thinks ever. Wow. Because he asked, he asked Michael once, um, do you ever get nervous about missing a shot? And Michael's response was, why would I worry about missing a shot I haven't taken yet? And that blew the guy's mind. And it kind of blew my mind as I heard it because it doesn't yeah. sound that deep. But when you think about it, it's deep. And he wasn't trying to be deep. He was just like, oh, I don't think about missing because why would I think about doing something? Like I haven't even taken the shot yet. So how could I think about missing? So in his brain, he only thinks about missing after the ball's released. And at that point, he still believes he's going to make it leading up to it. It's just one of those weird things. And when you have this mentality where you're like, oh, it's all going to work out. I just always believed it would work out. The people yeah. I meet who are like that do. Do you know who I know? Everyone I know who's broke they hate money. They always talk about fuck money. Money's bullshit. I hate yeah, money. Yeah. I hate money. And I'm like, well, that's why you're broke kind of. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you kind of carry that mentality with you. Yeah. Yeah. In a yeah. sense, like, you know, if you're negative all the time, people are going to be a dick to you. If you're positive all the time, people are going to be positive to you. I do believe there yeah. is something to that. Yeah. It was always that, like also too, like a, what if, a, what if, what if mentality? I'm like, what if I, you know, with the, if you, putting in basketball terms like oh what if i made the shot and you think about that more like what it looks like to make the shot or also too of just like routine of like just do it so many times that this shot doesn't feel any different or you're able to just like switch in your brain i'm like this is a last shot but it's also a shot i've taken every part of this game you know yeah, definitely and i think that's like what some of the greats do um is really can like downplay the moment in their head because also they know on the other side of it could be this monumentous celebration. It is interesting, right? Like I think like the, the winners always think about the celebration and the party and, and like that moment, right? Yeah. And the people who have failed, because there are great basketball players. I think of James Harden as one of those guys. He's yeah. like my latest example of a guy who could drop in any regular season game. I feel like if someone said to him, go out there and score 50, he could do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in the playoffs, he's just you see him passing more. You see him not taking his normal shot. Or if they, or he doesn't adjust to the circumstance. It's, it's one of those weird things where I feel like those other guys who just have that cutthroat. I know there's that, that gets overused in sports, that whole killer instinct. And people used to use it to bash LeBron, which I always thought was unfair. But um, anyway, let's talk about your job, though. And that's one of the, yeah. another thing I've always respected you not just as friends, but as, as someone, um, just like as a person who, you know, similar, similar work, I guess. And the fact that being a comedian is such a, a big risk to take, but you also have had other jobs. I call them like dream jobs, I guess. Yeah, no, I, cause you, you're almost like a professional 14 year old in yeah. the sense that every job you've done and you've always had this kind of like fun, like, I just want to eat pizza and hang out, you know, mentality. <laughs> yeah. Pizza, you're a big pizza guy. Everyone's like pizza. pizza Everyone loves CJ. pizza. It's so insane. Like, I wanted to shed that a few times in my life. But people are like, yeah, he loves pizza. It's like, what do you mean? You love pizza. Everyone loves pizza. Why no, I, am I the pizza comedian? I agree. Everyone does love pizza. But for some reason, <laughs> you got that, that label. Well, I think it just, I look like, yeah, I, I act like I'm a Ninja Turtle. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you also, you dude, all these things I'm saying are positives, and I don't yeah. want you to ever lose them. No, when I've, you, I've you really started to own one day, own it. Don't, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want to see you, I don't want you to become a dad where all of a sudden you're dressing different. Not yeah. that you would. 
Not that you would, but I, I, I worry. It's going to take a lot. I don't. I think we're far gone from ever like being normal, or whatever the standard is. I, I wouldn't want you to be, and I'm sure <laughs> Megan wouldn't want you to be either. Yeah. But your job, you're late. So you've had a job where you were, uh, you ran the Detroit Pistons social media for Funny or Die. Mm-hmm. Amazing gig. You wrote for Fallon, so as fun. you mentioned earlier. And before Fallon, I think you were intern for Conan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. You were the head writer for a Korean late night talk show. Man, was and it Filipino. No, it was Korean. Korean. And okay. Yeah, it was. It still was such a great experience, and I love everyone who were involved with that show. And the office you worked at had a great bathroom that I yeah. used to shit in. Oh, and I used to shit in that one because it was single. It was a single stall, or no, it was just like a room. It was a private bathroom. There'd be a timer on the light, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I took longer dumps in there sometimes. So, (laughs) if you were, I I turned the light on where you had to wind it a little bit. The one. Yeah. But everyone, I used to work in the same, like across the parking lot from CJ. Yeah, I'm Culver City. Yeah, Culver City. I was a production assistant at Tosh.0, and CJ was head writer for a Korean talk show. And then you went from there to Bleacher Report. Uh, I went from the, it was Korean talk show, uh, to Detroit and then Bleacher Report. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, cool job, sports, blending sports and comedy, your two worlds. Yeah. And, and now tell everyone what you're working on. Uh, yeah, I, I'm the creative producer or creative director for House of Highlights, which is a very similar job to Bleacher Report, but it's kind of more premium, premium content more than just like filming you know, trick shots with your phone. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really wild to like, to realize that, to remember that's what I do. So I was listening to your podcast, The Greatest That You Do With Megan Gailey. Everyone check it out. Megan and CJ host a weekly podcast in which they have guests on and they talk about like the greatest uh, stadium food or mm-hmm. the greatest like sports movies, I think one of them was. And um, with uh, the last episode, I think you had one today, I haven't checked, but the yeah. one previously with Omar, yeah. whose last name I forget. Uh, Raja. Omar Raja. Yeah, yeah. The founder of, and the creator of House of Highlights. Yeah. Who, man, very impressive dude. I didn't realize he was that young. What is he, 25? Yeah, he just turned 25, I think last month. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, he he founded it, and like we met at Bleacher Report. I was, because I first went to work at Bleacher Report um, and then I left to move back here to LA to, and I ended up working at the NFL and then Omar's account that Bleacher Report had bought a couple years before that had just blown up, got bigger than Bleacher Report in terms of following. And they were like, we want to make original content. We want, we're going to do a Twitter show and we need hosts. And so I remained close with Omar and like, we just been friends since when I first got over to Bleacher Report and he was just like, yeah, come, come join the team. Him and this, uh, uh my, my current boss, Doug who just like again like really crazy skill set that i have and no, not many people know to like recognize it and like give it credit but like all it takes is a couple people with an opportunity to like yeah to to give it to somebody who who can run with it and that's what that's what's happened over there i you have a smart approach with things though because i remember i tried to get a job with bleacher report and you gave me some tips on like the writing packet. You showed me an example yeah. of one of yours, and yours was like, "Oh, cool!" Like he, he put some like pictures in the packet. He like yeah. showed some visualization. It wasn't just like bullet points of this. You did things to make it stand out. And I'm like, see, I never would have thought to do that because again, I'm that side of the entertainment world. I still never even figured out of like 
you know, I always thought like things had to be like the right font and the right this. Right. Like, of course, there's a structure to it if you're doing like a screenplay. But with some stuff like that, I think you do want to like stick out a little bit because they're getting so many submissions. Yeah, that's really what you got to think about is like imagine you're the not even just like a don't even think about it as like a, a boss in a entertainment writing position. Imagine it as a, a boss at like a target who has to go through applications and all the applications look the same all the names look the same um everyone's saying they're hard working or whatever like you have an opera you have like a second to stick out and so you have to figure out how to stick out or stand out and then once they're they're spending a few more seconds on it you have to figure out you have to like back up that trick you sort of pulled on them and so it's like you're in that's the thing is like we know so many funny people um that they're all good but like what's that one trick to get people to read your packet and fall in love with your shit and uh, yeah there's this other guy this old chicago comedy writer he wrote on um i think maybe like rick and morty and some other stuff but he was just like uh all of his ideas were ideas that he was he wanted the people reading it to go i want to make that not is this person funny it's like I'm going to hire this person so we have the ownership to, to make that sketch. Yeah. Or do that joke. Now, so, did, you, did you just instinctually know that or did you learn that trick from someone or something? It was just like obsessing over podcasts and like getting books. And I used to always love watching any, anything I loved. I watched the credits because I wanted to know who the directors are. I wanted to know who the producers were and the writers. And I would write those names down or I'd remember them. And I would go to their IMDb and see what else they made or just like see if they were on pod. Like if you go on the podcast app, you could just type in a name of someone you like and you can hear 40 Like if someone likes me or you, they can just type in their name and it, our podcast would come on there. All the podcasts we've been on and you know, and people want to talk about stories and also you can sense people's sensibilities uh, or just like their stories about, you know, trying to make it and I think it was just combining all that stuff and figuring out, you know, a system that worked for me. Everything you're saying, by the way, is textbook law of attraction. Really? Think, <laughs> think about it. Think about it. You were focusing on all this stuff. You were yeah. obsessively focusing on how do you get that? Like you were, you were saying that you were reading the books, you were podcasts, like any, any interview, any like nugget of information you could get on how to get into that world you were doing. So you yeah. were taking over to all the steps. You just weren't vision boarding it or whatever the fuck they do. Right. Like, I don't know, maybe you were. Maybe CJ had a big poster where it's like you sitting right behind Fallon or something like that. Well, I mean, it's funny. Remember the, it's another Tom Hanks classic, uh, Catch Me If You Can. When, Great movie. You know, like when he was conning all these people, I know it's like, it's uh, dramatized or it's, you know, exaggeration. But man, I was like, yeah, if you could if you could pass that log that log exam, you know, then you can yeah. be a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. You can really fake it to you make it in a lot of stuff. Have I been exposed on certain things? Yes. Okay. But, well, you know, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned working for Fallon, and you felt like you weren't ready for that job. Yeah. Could you give everyone? Because I'm sure a lot of people, a mm -hmm. lot of people have no idea how to even get into that world. I know so many people who are just like, I know people who we know who've worked in this as a comedian for 10 years who are like how the fuck do you do any of this stuff yeah how can you give us the process of getting hired by jimmy fallon yeah and this is one i don't know if i can recommend but uh, yeah it, it's crazy but i was interning at conan um again and i was an old intern like 23 is 
is old. Like I, you, you graduate college at what, like 21, 22? 22, yeah. Yeah. Well, give us. Let's go back a little bit though. Yeah. Because I want to be thorough enough. Okay. I yeah, hate yeah. Dude, I hate it when I'm listening to something and they'll be like. Oh, well, so, you know, I was working on, the, the, someone asked me a question about one thing, and then they started by something already awesome. Yeah. How did you get the internship for Conan? So, J.P. Buck, the current booker, he books stand-ups on the show. I know he, J.P. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a great guy. And um, he came through Chicago to, to watch some comics. And um, I wasn't, I didn't do that great on the show. And um, was it th- This was at the Lincoln Lodge in Chicago, right? At the Lincoln Lodge, yeah. I remember. And, yeah, like he was coming around, he was watching, yeah, there was like a showcase and I had done it. And I remember not, not feeling great about my set. And um, I remember like Geary was like, hey, and I like asked Geary, I was like, oh, what did J.P. Buck think? In my head thinking like, did he, you know, we're like, did they love me or whatever? <laughs> and like, I think Geary was like, oh, he, he liked you and he feels like, you know, if you keep working on it, like it could be something. Who knows if that's true or not? And I was like, can I get his email? And Geary gave me his email. And so I asked him uh, what he thought. And just like got him on the hook for like an email exchange, and then I was like, "Hey, I'm a college kid. I need an internship. Uh, do you think you would you could recommend me for an internship at Conan?" He's like, "Yeah, sure. Why not? If you come out to LA, I'll recommend you." And I went out to LA. Like, um, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll move if I can get this job." And I got the job, and so I moved to LA, and I was just an intern, man. I I thought I was like going to be the script intern where. I'm with the writing staff all the time. You're not allowed in the room with the the writing staff. Yeah. Um, and when I got there, I wasn't the script intern. I was a general intern, so I was just in a... We had to wait in the kitchen with all these kids who were hooked up by their parents who are, like, producers in town. You know? Like, we had famous, famous kids who were the other interns. And you just had to sit there and wait for someone to say, hey, can you go grab lunch or whatever? But my, my crazy dumbass is like that my favorite writer, Dan Cronin, is right there. I'm just going to walk into his office and ask him, what he, does he want a coffee or something? So I started doing that. And I got in trouble. Um, I got in Why? trouble. They well, were who like, got you? My I'm boss. Sorry, who, oh, the oh, yeah. boss. Did. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if Dan got you in trouble or Dan's like, no. what's this kid bothering me for? All right, cool. Because that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. And so, but then like... It, I was able to like get him coffee enough and I told him I was from Chicago, um, did stand up and, uh, and then also to like my, my boss, the coordinator, he also yelled at me cause he found 15 copies of my 30 rock spec script left in the, in the copier. <laughs> and it's just like one, you know how to like use office supplies like that. And two, like, what are you doing? Like, you're not supposed to show that you want to write on TV, which is another fucked up thing about internship is like, you're not supposed to show that you want a position, like a better position than this? Dude, I had that where, just a real quick side thing, because I want to mm-hmm. focus on how you got Fallon. I was, uh, my, when I moved out to LA in 2014, it was a hookup. My buddy Steve Byrne had a yeah. sitcom called Sullivan and Son, and it was on TBS. It did like three seasons. But I was a stand-in for the, which was a great gig. It was my yeah. first gig. It got me into SAG. It was such easy work, and you got to hang out with cool people and everything like that. One of the, yeah, the for the final season, there was one of the showrunners, because they had, like, a showrunner for the first two seasons, and he went to go work on another thing. This guy, I forget his name, um, F.J. Pratt, that's his name. Really mm-hmm. nice guy. He then saw me at the Ice House in Pasadena, like, six months after the show was canceled. 
And I killed, dude. I had a really fucking yeah. just destroyed that room. It was a sold out show, and I, I was just on that night. And he comes right up to me, going like, "Joe," and I'm like, "Hey, it's like I didn't know you did stand up. I, we just thought, I just thought you were standing, like someone trying to be an actor or something like that." I'm like, "Oh no, yeah, I, I do stand up. Yeah, you know, that's how I know Steve. I used to feature for him and stuff like that. And you know, I've worked with Robert Jr. And you know, I used to feature for him on the road a little bit." And they're like, why didn't you say to any of us, hey, I'm a comedian. I would have written you a line. I'm like, because that's not how it's done. Like, you're yeah, like, it just like I can't he... walk up to you and be like, hey, write me a line over a fucking bagel, like at the craft service table. It's just, I don't know. It's a really, it's a really uh, tightrope, like little dance. You gotta, you gotta be careful. But I feel like you have been able to know that moment and yeah. seize upon it. I had another moment on Sullivan and Son. There was a barbecue. At, I'll just fucking say the story. So yeah. I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast, but Steve Byrne had a barbecue mm-hmm. and Vince Vaughn was there. And Vince Vaughn was one of the executive producers. Mm-hmm. And he was asking everyone, what'd you guys think of this scene or whatever? Cause they had a schedule where Thursday, Friday, weekend off, then Monday, Tuesday, I think Tuesday night was like the shoot night. And so there was still time to fix anything with the script. And I was, and they asked everybody, and they were like, oh, it's great. I think the script's strong. It's like, yeah, good script. And then I, but I didn't think that. I thought the script needed definite, like some big wow. work in act three. And I remember, I'm like, oh fuck! If he asks me, I can't, I can't be honest. I'm gonna want to be honest, but I can't because they're all saying it's great. And so it came to me, and he's like, Joe, what do you think? And I'm like, Yeah, it's good. I met my, I, and dude, the whole drive home, I was like, fucking, <laughs> dude, I was, yeah, just so pissed at myself, man. And it was, you know, it's crazy too, dude. And I hate to even get sad with it. On the way to this barbecue, I found out Dan Ronan died. It was the day when we found out Ronan died. So I think I had so much going on in my brain that I just, I just felt, even with the way I answered, I felt not confident. It would be one thing if I was confidently like, yeah, it's great. It's strong this week. Mm -hmm. Because I think he knows I was holding back. So I think Vince Vaughn was like, I think there's something there that he didn't want to say because of this, which is even worse. I'd rather him think I'm either confident one way or another no matter what the answer confident but instead yeah. i was like yeah it's fine when i really didn't believe it was fine i believed they needed major work and you know what you shouldn't beat yourself up for that because it truly is a gamble you know some showrunners some some of these higher ups they they can really take that uh take that poorly you know <clears throat> and i you know, that's why it's all luck it's a lot of this stuff i did was a gamble but like yeah, I should have been fired for this script thing, for like printing out my script and all that other shit, or walking in. But like, I still was like, uh, when I would get in the room, I would always have something to back it up with. Like when I started talking to these writers about being wanting to be a talk show writer, I would come in with like pages of of sample pa- or sample desk pieces and all that shit, and like showed the work in front. Someone wasn't wasting their time. Like at a certain point, you go, oh, this person actually really wants to do it, and I'm being the dick. I'm like, get out of here, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that. So how did how did Fallon <clears throat> come about then? You mentioned Dan Cronin <clears throat> yeah. getting in trouble, leaving Thirty Rock packets. In so just pressure. hustling at, at at Conan unpaid or whatever. And then I saw that there was a Paley Center, which is like, kind of like a, it's like the TV archive museum, and they throw a lot of like TV events, panels, and whatnot. And they're doing the Paley Center Festival in Fallon, which was I think like a year and a half, two years old at that point. They were coming to L.A. to give this big panel talk. I got a ticket for it, and I was like, you never know what could happen. I'm going to have a packet ready for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon with jokes written in Jimmy's voice and new sketches and whatever. And I'm just going to have it on me just in case. Uh, And they gave a talk. It was all the writers, producers, and Jimmy. And 
like it was a great event and at the end of it people were hanging out like the writers were coming off and producers were coming off and hanging around the stage and everyone had flocked to Jimmy because no one knows who the fuck these people are but I recognized the EP at the time Michael Shoemaker uh, legendary SNL producer but like because of my nerdum for comedy I knew who he was and what he looked like so I went up to him and I was like hey man I work at Conan and he's like in his head he's like oh this guy works at, like he like gets paid he must yeah. be a producer or whatever. I'm name dropping. I'm like, yeah, this person, this person. These are all people I got coffee for, maybe said one word to. <laughs> He's like, that's awesome that you know these people. Like, I love those guys because they all used to, because Conan's show was at 30 Rock for a very long time. And uh, so then at the end of the conversation, it's wrapping up. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm, a, I'm an aspiring writer. I have a packet with me. Like, it would just make me feel better if you took it. Like, you can throw it away. I don't care. And he was like, oh, we're actually going to dinner, and this is usually not how it works. And I was like, just you just take the packet. Like, I like I just want to walk away and feel like uh, I tried. And he's like, no, it's okay. So I, I left. I didn't give him the packet. And I remember going in the car and being like, man, I fucking suck. Like, it's never going to happen. I called my buddy who was trying to do the same thing, and uh, I just felt sad. And then I went on Facebook that night, and then I wrote more like four paragraphs of, of like about my story about living in chicago doing stand-up uh taking all these chances or whatever i wrote him this this on facebook and he emails me back at 1 a.m and it's full of grammatical errors it barely makes sense uh, so you think he was drinking i think he had a few drinks he was talking about how like they were watching the montage of what they had done on the show before uh or in that first year and a half and how it was like making him teary-eyed so i was like he sounds emotional. And the last like line on that email was, uh, email my assistant and we'll send over a, uh, a sheet that you have to sign to be able to submit materials to us. So like you can sue us if we steal it or whatever. And so I was like, awesome. Had two days before that then. So I wrote even more stuff. Went into Conan uh, that day, grabbed a letterhead that uh, we do have that we did have access to because then it had Conan's logo on it looked like it was a fax from Conan's people like important and faxed it over with my packet and then three weeks later this manager who agreed to work with me but he wasn't really doing anything for me he was just like oh if something happens I can like say he's his manager I had to put his name on the packet to look official and they emailed him and said hey we want to fly CJ out for an interview and I, I got the job from that interview that's awesome. That's Crazy. incredible. Yeah. What, what would you? What did your packet feature? Do you know like exactly what they were looking for? Do you have like X amount of desk pieces? X amount of. I. You know, it's so funny. Like I knew they were big on quotas for monologue jokes, and I read the packet recently, and it's not good. like the monologue jokes weren't good. I think there were enough, but I always like would always again. I put myself in the reader's shoes. I was like, say I'm submitting eighty monologue jokes. I'm gonna put my strongest ones up first. Because they're not going to read all of it. So, like, I, I think I wrote, like, 80 to 100 monologue jokes. I wrote 10, like, desk pieces, 10 just regular sketches, 10 guest segments. So, like, what's a comedy piece we would do with a guest? So I just watched, or I looked at, like, the schedule and watched a bunch of shows and saw who was really good on the show as a guest and just came up with games and sketches for them. So it was just, like, again, it was, like, what's a packet that we want to make all the jokes in there or like we don't have to do much training for someone there. So if we hired the person, so that's, that's what I did. And yeah, it worked out. Perfect. You did your homework. Now, do you think at the time your youth helped being 24 yeah. or 23 or whatever? Cause they probably were like, well, we could get a young guy, you yeah. know, 
diversify the ages here? It, well, diversify the ages, diversify the ethnicities, you know? I that feel like... That too, yeah. The, the, I, I don't even know the guy, but some guy on uh, who used to write for Fallon who's Asian just friended me, and I'm like, man, there really weren't that many Asian people on there. Like, especially what's going on now, I'm like, is something going on over there? But, you know, I, I don't... I don't find myself to personally needing anything from them or, or the industry in that way. Uh, if anything, I want to fight for maybe future people in my position if I was to speak on that. But yeah, it's a, it's weird. Like I always hated the, the diversity higher term, even though it put things in my favor. Uh, see, yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but yeah. I, I originally thought, like, because I kept thinking of writers' rooms as these guys who are a little bit out of touch, and they're like, we yeah. got someone young, this guy's cool, yeah. so more like that. But no, you're right in that regard, yeah. too. The These writers' rooms are definitely, I just think you'd want all the different voices so you could cover your ground and stuff, because there's yeah. stuff that Jimmy Fallon and me, being straight white dudes, uh, we can't relate to other people in a lot of For shit, sure. so I would want someone in there who could help me fill that gap. Um how many people are in the writers room? Like, how many writers total are on? So, set? I think at the time there were maybe between fifteen and seventeen. Cool. Any names that people would know? I mean, uh, the the guys who are really doing some big stuff right now are Bashir and Diallo, who have two shows on the air right now. Um, they have Sherman's Showcase, which we have some friends who had worked on that, uh, which is a sketch show, a musical sketch show on IFC, and then um, Southside on on uh, Comedy Central. Yeah, um, and so those guys, those guys were prolific when we were when I was there, and they were also a huge help for me. And then um, trying to think who else was on that show at the time that you might know. Um, yeah, I mean that's really that's really the people who have come out of there. Didn't Jeselnik write for it? For Jeselnik, yeah. So like before me was, was Jeselnik. He was a monologue writer, and um, yeah, he was oh, part of that first crew. For that. Yeah, yeah. Because he's so, like, you know, one-liner-esque. Exactly. Way. Would you call him a one-liner comic? I it's, I talked to Megan about this recently. I don't think anymore, but maybe in the beginning. In the beginning, definitely. Now it's a little bit more stories, but it's still, like, a lot of misdirection. I yeah. always think of one-liners as people who do misdirection in a sense. Yeah. Even though it's not technically one line. It's more than one line. Like, Hedberg's a classic one-liner type guy. Dimitri Martin mm -hmm. for a stretch, I guess. Uh, all right. Well, let me ask you about uh, the NBA bubble. Yeah, man. About that, dude. The NBA is slated to come back. What, July thirty first? I think. I mean, tomorrow. Oh, our yeah, scrimmages. Right. Yeah. Scrimmages starting tomorrow. I'm pumped about this. House of Highlights obviously does all sports, and you got like user submitted fun stuff, and mm -hmm. and you got. By the way, everyone, CJ did a great one during the uh, pandemic, during the Last Dance of oh, yeah. the Michael Jordan. Um, uh, sometimes I dream I have. Yeah, big dress jeans. like Mike dress like Mike because he really did and he still seems to dress that way I feel like I feel like he doesn't wear anything tight it's still pretty damn loose there's something that happens to these rich guys and I think they just lose touch and hey it looks comfortable it well they're not losing touch Jordan hit a Hitler mustache for like two years <laughs> people forget that and then Haynes but we didn't cancel him Hitler. we didn't cancel him he's that good he's uncancelable well when you're 6-0 and with 10 scoring titles yeah. and you know defensive player of the year and MVPs anyway though I, we could go into stats all day, yeah, you and I. Yeah. You and I, I think, both have a thing where you're a giant LeBron James fan. Oh, I'm yeah. a giant Michael Jordan fan. But I, my Jordan stuff's on the other side of the basement. But I, <laughs> it, it is. But uh, I don't. I, I'm my big LeBron fan too. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, and this is a social media bullshit algorithm thing, where they show me tweets to piss me off because they know I engage. <laughs> 
And when you engage, you stay on that platform. Being a social media expert like yourself, I think you'd probably consider yourself pretty knowledgeable on social media. You know that's the game they play. So I have people who think I hate LeBron James when I very much do not. I rooted for yeah. him to beat the 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors. I was rooting for that. So whenever, whenever people use that to throw on my face, where it's like, he beat a 73-win team, Jordan never would have, I get a little bit like, maybe I shouldn't have rooted for him because if I was going to get it thrown back in my face when we're talking about the well, goat, I everyone, just think Jordan's better. They're both amazing. They're both like 1-1A one one or 1-2 or whatever you want to say. But like, Yeah. The, in terms of social media, like, a t- tweets aren't, I mean, we could say this for most news. Never is it to fully state a fact. It's because social media and all these companies who consider their business are collecting numbers. They want to, so it's engagement. They want to up engagement. So by calling Jordan or LeBron or Kobe the GOAT, you're, you're just inviting everyone who doesn't agree with that to comment on it and retweet yeah. it. And say, no, here's my opinion. So, like, that's what they're trying to do. Well, I end up getting stuck talking to the guy who replies underneath going, oh, it's about rings? Well, then Robert Horry's better than Michael yeah, Jordan. Yeah. And it's like, nobody would ever say that, dickhead. Robert Horry was yeah. a role player. It's rings and stats. Everyone knows that. Why would you fucking say that? Then? <laughs> okay, you know, fine. You know, anyone with five rings is better than LeBron then or whatever. It's just, but it is. It's so much trollness going on with, like, sports. Yeah. And that's why I just wish... And, and I know your your buddy Omar is working for ESPN now, mm-hmm. and I there's a lot of stuff I like about ESPN. There's a lot of hate about ESPN. Yeah. But what kills me is ESPN doesn't have like a true competitor. Fox Sports, every one of their personalities to me sucks. I can't stand yeah. a single one of them. Nick Wright, I liked his commentary on Kaepernick and some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But his basketball, he's always contradicting himself. One week. Rings don't matter. The next yeah. week, if he wins a ring, it matters. I'm like, well, we'll fucking pick a lane, buddy. Yeah. So I get, I get so – and Colin Cowherd is dog shit. I, he, I really can't stand that guy. I don't know if he's a buddy of yours and I'm hurting. No, no, right no. Now, but, um, Those are, they, there's a lot of the old white dudes who represented old school sports media over there. Uh, you know, where they do uh, – Shannon Sharp is fun. He's – you He's know, fun with some stuff, but he gets yeah. Skip ruins him a little bit. It's all entertainment first, mostly on these. You know, it's like debate since the the age of Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith and these guys. It's they are they are putting people on air who can debate, who can represent very very passionately the the audience's opinions and willing to fight that, and they just want to see argument. Um, so yeah, I'm to, I'm totally with you on that. Well, that's where it went from. You mentioned the word entertainment. I, I used to think of guys like um, Stuart Scott, mm-hmm. RIP. He was entertaining first. I don't remember him ever debate. I didn't know his opinions. I just knew he was yeah. entertaining with how he packaged highlights. Yeah. And that's what I think ESPN's model was for a while. And then now it became this whole talking head thing where, and it, news networks do it too. I tell people all the time one of the big problems we're having in American media is that if I am watching any news network, CNN, and then I do that last channel thing where you can go back and forth, and I do yeah. CNN to ESPN, and I go back and forth. They look the same. Yeah. You know, they've got the whole, hold on, I'm very proud of this. Not proud of this, but it's fun. I, uh, they got the ticker at the bottom. Oh, nice. Right? They got, like, all the, everything's breaking news, the flashing lights. First of all, also, I want to say I'm very, very impressed with what you've, you've been doing. Just, like, your YouTube channel is killer. Like, all this is, you're, you're really, you're really just, like, embracing and, like, getting your shit out there in the smartest way. Thanks, man. I'm really, I tell yeah, people been, about that. Oh, thank you, dude. Yeah, I'm definitely trying as, uh, as best as I can. It's, um, 
Yeah, I'm enjoying it, and that's all that matters, really. Yeah. You can't really control what comes from it afterwards. Just so the listeners know, I just posted a video of uh, a clip from the podcast last week where Lisa Traeger talks about masturbating on a plane. <laughs> so if you missed last week's podcast, there's a 10-minute clip of Lisa Traeger talking about uh, some funny airplane experiences <laughs> she's had. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm trying, I'm trying to have fun with it. And, um, it's you know, with stand-up not being around right now, I think I'm just kind of putting my focus on creating content as best as I can. And I've got some web series ideas that I'm I'm putting into the works and hopefully they extend that unemployment so I could put some more money towards yeah, some man. of this stuff. I actually ordered some some better lighting, so it didn't come yet. It's supposed to come by the 24th. It looks good, though. Yeah, I'm using an overhead light here and... Um, which I just look directly in, so now I can't see anything. Um, <laughs> that's what sucks about those lights. You stare at them too long, it'll fuck up your eyes. Anyway, though, but I, I was always inspired by the stuff that you did with uh, social media, and you did great stuff at Bleacher Report. I, I love the memes and everything you created there. That Thanks, sounds man. So, that almost sounds like an insult. I love the memes. The no, I mean, it sounds like... Yeah, it sounds like an eighth grader. That's yeah. what they do, but like... And then Megan used to call you meme boy or something like that. Yeah, she. I mean, she just like he makes really good memes, but like you know, and that's the thing. Like, girl. Yeah, I know. I mean, but you know, if that's what I get paid a, a decent amount to do that, and I, you know, so I'm not gonna like be mad about it. No, how could you? And like memes, you know, we talk about like monologue jokes. No one thinks a monologue joke is funny anymore, but a meme, memes are passed around like crazy, like. They're retweeted like crazy. Like, they genuinely make me laugh, you know, or catch me off guard. So I really enjoy a good meme. I do, too. There are memes are one part. There's a lot of social media stuff that I don't like, but there's stuff mm -hmm. that I think, man, this is a better world for. Memes, I think, are yeah. great. The ones that are meant for entertaining purposes, you know. Um, and then there's just there's always a good some good replies in there, too. Like, I, I, this one guy, I give him credit Someone will post like a Michael Jordan statistic. Like on this date, Michael Jordan did this against the Knicks. He dropped 55 yeah. and 15 and, you know, seven steals or some insane stat line. And someone will always comment, and for this, Michael Jordan is the second greatest basketball player of all time. Like just <laughs> knowing, knowing that people are going to get pissed off. Yeah. And then when someone, like whenever a dude will post like something where it's, like you you and I are good guys. But there will always mm -hmm. be one of those guys that posts like, uh, men are the worst. And there's a guy that will comment underneath, Hope she sees this, bro. <laughs> that will always make me laugh my yeah. ass off. Always. Yeah. It's perfect. So the NBA bubble, though, man. This sounds crazy. I feel like there's going to be some really good stories. There should be a documentary in play. Yeah. After The Last Dance, I want that dude who directed The Last Dance, who also directed Iverson's doc, he mm -hmm. needs to be embedded in the NBA 24-7 or yeah. any sport because that guy knows how to capture some shit. Like, I just, dude... I'm hoping they're. I heard all the tests came back negative for COVID, yep. which is amazing because the NFL just did a round and it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, it, I know some people might be like, "Oh, only 25 guys," but 25 will infect fucking 1,500 in a week. Come on. Like, yeah. People need to pay attention to some of this stuff. What do you think? Do you think that any? You think the it's all going to work out, or do you think? I think it is. I mean, but oh, honestly, okay. this is a very, very new feeling. Um, you know, I was first I was very excited, and then. Uh, obviously like the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter uh, movement started and I was like we can't be going back to sports and so like the focus is on that and it still is but I was like but then it was, I was like I'm gonna let the players and what they you know are, are out there saying kind of dictate my feelings because like those guys they I, I want them to be healthy and I want them to be able to forward that message and they all 
assured themselves and each other and the media at this point that they will and like black lives matters on the court um you know the social justice message on the back um every single like post conference or like post practice press conference they mention it it's like that's all good and then this test happened zero now in popovich who's one of the smartest people i think like i listen to he said like the bubble is safer and in a way yes like cases go up in la where a lot of these guys live in the off season but they're in the bubble now and so like tested every single like every 20 feet it does make it makes a lot of sense to have them all in one place and then you can monitor who's mm -hmm. coming in and out that totally makes sense to me it almost you have to look at it like it's its own sovereignty its own country there's a reason we're only allowed as americans to go to 28 countries right now yeah and i looked at the list i would say 22 of them you would never want to go to ever <laughs> ever ever anyway yeah you know um no offense to some of these countries that I can't no, remember I mean, right now, but it's just the truth of it. You don't exactly are known for any of these. I mean, like no one goes honeymooning to some of these places, but uh, right, right. but to have them all in one spot. And I actually kind of find it funny, Orlando, because look, no offense to Orlando, without Disney, no one's living there. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's a very it's hot as fuck because it's the middle of Florida. Yeah, it's not near a, an ocean really. So I feel like that's the way to go. No, this, that's the Florida project. That, that it's about that. It's about yeah. A, um, a, a rundown complex like eight miles away from Disney World. Yeah, it was cheap land. Yeah. You know? So I am, I'm, the only thing I'm finding funny though is every, like, I know it's, some women admitted I was only kidding. <laughs> Someone tweeted, like, I've already been invited seven times yeah. to this fucking bubble or whatever. And then she was like, I'm fucking joking. Calm down, everybody. <laughs> but that's the thing, that there'll be issues like that. And, like, you gotta understand, these are grown men who have families or, you know, have an outside of basketball life. And that's where I really sympathize with them. And um, if, if some of these guys can't take it, then they should have the option to leave and they shouldn't be criticized or have their pay docked because these are unusual circumstances. And I think the world will see an uptick in optimism because of basketball, in, in sports. I mean, I don't watch baseball that much, but man, I loved seeing new highlights last night of baseball. Um, and it looked strange with no one in the, in the stands and it wasn't a, you know, a league game or it wasn't, you know, a regular season. But like, I just like, you know, with us, you can't do stand up. I can't get out there and really produce stuff fully. Um, these guys are getting out there to go and do the thing that they feel they were put on this earth to do. Uh, after months and months of being cooped in, very active things. And they're getting to do that. And, so they're gonna they're gonna have some joy and like i hope we can too yeah you're right it is kind of sports coming back even without any fans it's like some sort of like it's a little bit of a light it's not a big light mm -hmm. but it's some light at the end of this tunnel that's been COVID 19 where you're like all right at least there's some semblance of being normal oh yeah. fuck yeah this is something i actually meant to text you sorry yeah, i got yeah. excited about this because our lives have changed so much i was thinking you know, the Cubs' uh, first game was Friday, so I was, like, texting my brother, like, oh, come on by. I just upgraded the TV in the house. Nice, yeah. 65-inch. almost got the 70, but I, I admit it would be too big for the 65 wall. 65 is great. 65 is great. But you have, like, a fucking outdoor theater set up yeah. in your yard. Yeah, Could You don't have to tell me now, but remind me off-air. Tell me, like, what model you got. Because Well, the Daltons were the ones who turned me on to this model, and it's perfect. Is it like super expensive or is it? No, okay? no, it's 250, which I think is great. Perfect. 
No, yeah, because, I, dude, I, I looked at, like, the $100 ones. I'm like, that's too cheap. There's no way it's not No, that because it, in, it'll probably work. The $100 one might work a little bit, but, like, um, 250 and, like, the Daltons have had theirs for months. And, like, if I get a year of use out of this thing, it was worth it. Oh, I think so, for sure. Yeah. No, so I, I got the backyard, and then you got, like, the drop screen thing, right? Yeah. What, you, what do you even call that? A projection screen, I guess? Yeah, projected, projector screen. Those aren't too bad, right? No, I, you can. they range from, like, 70 bucks to, like, 200 Okay, not but too bad. Everything, I like, and I put some extra stuff into it just to make it nice, like, really, really nice. And it came all came under 450 Pretty good. So, okay, as soon as I shoot and killed the skunk that i saw a couple nights ago yeah i'm gonna do something in my backyard like this yeah there's um there's Dude, I live, i've watched yeah go ahead okay. i was just saying i live in the city but i'm off the highway so i think skunks come through yeah and then my one neighbor told me that there's an old lady up the block that feeds this family of skunks <laughs> dude i can't i've seen the skunk on my front lawn i saw it one time in the yard like i i, I don't want to kill an animal but no i would say just put a few lights around you like a, you a, a couple tiki torches just to show i don't think they want to hurt you i'm too white just... to be buying tiki torches though there's a whole thing yeah. with those racists buying tiki torches they ruin tiki torches yeah. for white guys who like to wear khaki shorts in the summer <laughs> A lot, dude, short guy, you know. I saw this white supremacist group trying to ruin Hawaiian shirts, and I was like, "You will not take that from me." No, hell no, man. I love fucking Hawaii. I need a Hawaiian shirt, especially when I gain a few pounds. I think Jared Logan has a joke of just like every fat, funny guy. His the uniform is like a Hawaiian shirt, and he's right. It's comfy. No, he's not fun. wrong, man. He's not wrong. You were saying so. You and Megan have watched like what movies were you were going to say? You no, we were watching Palm Springs the other night, and a giant raccoon walked by. But he like looked at me and like kind of waved, like, and I was like, "We did, did he don't be scared." The... <laughs> he he like saw us and it was like, yeah, kind of embarrassed because he kind of just like then just like went to the side, uh, and Megan got kind of freaked out and she left. So like you have to be prepared for any of that type of stuff to happen. Dude, L.A. has raccoons. My wife, when we were living in yeah. Burbank, saw like, a whole family of them run up a tree once when she was walking her dog. Yeah, L.A.'s got all the animals. Dude, we just got lizards in our house. Yeah, I mean, li lizards, uh, coyotes are kind of scary. Uh, luckily, we have a fence, but, yeah, I mean, it's I nature. wasn't a... I was... I saw... Like, when my dog was a puppy, I was worried about coyotes because <coughs> was, at the time, I was living by the Hollywood Bowl, mm -hmm. and I would walk her, like, around, like, kind of like the hills, I guess. It was yeah. called the Hollywood Dell over there because it was just to, like, the west of the 101 or the east of the 101. And um, I remember one time seeing a coyote from behind. The coyote didn't see me, and my dog was a puppy, and I, like tucked under my arm like a football and just sprinted yeah. the other way but now dude my dog's like 85 90 pounds and she would fuck up a coyote wow and like you ask, ask megan she because my dog used to sleep on megan's bed when she lived with us <laughs> and uh dude my, she's she's a feminist my dog's a strong feminist she's alpha female she pees with one leg up because she doesn't believe in the patriarch she's fucking tough as shit man do you think a little bit of megan rubbed off on her no because megan's not tough at all like <laughs> she's not. So she fed her the cheese slices. That's she one of my did. favorite stories. Oh yeah, I told that. So at uh, Megan and CJ's wedding the night before, again, you guys even had a kick-ass like rehearsal dinner. Oh, it man, was, was so fun. It Thank was bowling. You. It was a bowling party. You had a bowling yeah. party, which was so cool. At like a real like kind of cool vintagey looking bowling alley. Mm -hmm. One that I would not have expected to see in Park in um, Palm Springs. It's not vintage. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. You're right. It wasn't like yeah. designed vintage. We had just old bowling alley. Because in yeah. my brain, I think a Palm Springs bowling alley is going to look like a fancy Lucky Strike yeah. type of bowling alley. But no, it looked like your typical 
like almost like a southwest side of Chicago bowling alley type mm-hmm. of thing, where it's like you know family owned or something. It was great, and so um, I like emceed it where I brought up the people yeah. who were giving speeches that night. You killed it. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, I, I felt fat that day though, man. For some reason. <laughs> Dude, I looked at a picture and I had like a gut going. I, I'd, no. I'd put on some weight going into that, which I didn't. I wanted to lose because I'm like, well, I got a wedding coming up. Yeah, yeah. All you skinny fucking LA people, where it's like you're in shape every day. I'm in a Chicago winter with two kids, and I was like, you bastards. I'm ten pounds up since the weddings. If that makes you feel any better. Well, I'm okay. I'm. I lost a little bit, and then nice. I kind of gained it back a little bit. So I'm going back and forth. I just need to lose. If I lose, I'm five pounds is all it takes for me to look like. Puffy on my way to looking like a, a fucking Kennedy that can, you could just shoot their big fat fucking neck head. <laughs> Dude, or, another. Or I look like a fucking swelt. Uh, not swelt. What's the word? Svelte? That's the word. Where it's a little yeah, bit yeah. more. I get the chin looking better when I lose it. But you have a great joke, which I think of very logically, is the, is the puking. Uh, after a night of puking, after a night of drinking in that uh, puke, yeah. you just look gaunt. And the abs, I'm like, I experienced that. I'm like, if I need to lose an extra few pounds, I'll just only drink whiskey and, and skip dinner. Dude, hell yeah, man. And dude, vomiting was good for your abs, and then you do you <laughs> look so good the next day. Yeah. It's almost like how when you have a cold, your voice sounds sexy. Yeah. Like, I can't sing at all, but every now and then I'll get like a cold at a certain level, and I'll sound like young John Lennon, you know, where it's like, <laughs> oh, man, he could hit the high note. That's cool. Yeah. A little nasally, but like it works, like that type of thing. So, dude, yeah, at your wedding, I, I told a story about how Megan, I can't believe when Megan was on the podcast, I can't believe this didn't come up. She was hammered drunk one night, and I think I might have been out with her earlier, but she uh, was talking to herself in the kitchen, and we could hear, we, we never slept, like, it was a two-bedroom apartment, and Megan would always sleep with her door shut like adults do. We couldn't because my dog would like to get up and go to different parts of the apartment, so we'd always leave our door, like, cracked open just enough so our, our dog could get in and out. And uh, I could just hear Megan talking to herself. And my wife's like, is she asking us something? I'm like, no, no, she's talking to herself. Shut up, shut up. She's drunk. Like, I didn't want Megan to hear us laughing in the next room because she's just going on and on like, you're, you're doing okay. I'm, yeah. I'm doing fine. I'm doing okay. Like, she was giving herself a pep talk. Like, no, everything's great in life. I'm doing okay. People like me. They do. They do. They really like me. And I was like, it was just funny. Like, because it was a one person talking. Mm-hmm. But she was changing her voice as if it was. She does that still. Talking. Yeah, I've seen it happen before. And then, in the morning, um, you know, my wife we had to get up early. She's you know, nurses wake up early. She just tells me like, "Oh my god, this is hilarious!" And I see it in my dog's bowl. <laughs> and my dog went out there, so she was like having conversations with my dog. Is like a stack like this high. Everyone watching on YouTube will see. Listening on audio, you're not gonna get it. Of like. 12 to 13 craft singles still wrapped in the dog bowl and i know at one point i heard her saying one for me one for you one for me one for you like that type of thing and and it just made me laugh because she stacked them so neatly where the rest of the kitchen was an unorganized mess like things were and we didn't give a fuck i was i'm i'm a slob and my wife isn't that clean either so it's not like we were one of those roommates where it's like oh my god look at this fucking kitchen we didn't give a shit but it was funny that it was a mess except that was like neatly it wasn't like stacked like a stack leaning one way or another. It was like she put some effort into it. Well, so that's know, what man. you know. You know when people say like you're drunk when you're drunk or blacked out. That's when like your honest self comes out. <laughs> yeah. And people are like when they hear that story. I feel like some people are probably like, "Wow, what a drunk!" But in my head, I'm like, "No, she likes to take care of people. She likes to take care. Like she's feeding the dog. 
like yeah that's what so i always find that as like a very endearing like why i love her type story no hell yeah i i would agree with you that is a very i would be proud to be married to that woman. So good, good, <laughs> good good move cj um i always had the relationship with, with megan living together and we've had this being friends from back yeah. in the chicago days when all three of us were running around the, the north side doing shows was that when she gets too high i gotta bring her down a little bit when she yeah. get too low i'd bring her up great and so when i heard that conversation she was having by herself i'm like oh she doesn't need me anymore she's yeah. this, this bird's ready to fly because <laughs> i think she was still only a couple months into living in la at the time or whatever, yeah i so. think so all right man i'm gonna i don't want to hold you for too long i got a couple no, things i wanted to hit for you let's go um nba predictions Who, who's getting the mvp this year i think lebron will i don't know yeah. how much i agree about agree yeah. on it but i think he will i think he's having a great year but i think giannis deserves it to be honest with you I think um, I wouldn't be mad either way, but y you think about the way that these things are voted for, and a lot of it is narrative. Um, I think Gian Giannis won it last year, but all eyes are on the Lakers, uh, you know, for unfortunate reasons too, like because Kobe and the fact Kobe, that they're yeah. they're number one in the West. They, they they went from not making the playoffs, and yes, they got AD, but like Which is there's huge. been a he's lot had, of obstacles. He's having a big year. Yeah. Some people think AD will win defensive player of the year. I, and that's who I, I think there's no one who deserves it more than him. I would agree with I mean, he's a top five player in the league. Yeah. He's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, we just said defensive player of the year. Who's your rookie of the year? Uh, John Morant. I would agree with that. Yeah. He's, he's been fantastic. I think Zion could have, but, like, yeah, John Morant. He didn't play enough mi games and minutes, yeah. and I, I just can't give it to someone who doesn't play the full. It's a regular season award, so it's about the regular season. Yeah. Which I, I've told people in the past. I remember getting an argument about that. The one year that was it Westbrook won, Westbrook or Harden won, I think I can't remember. But some people were saying, "Well, what about LeBron or Kawhi?" And that was the year where both LeBron and Kawhi were doing load management. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "It's a regular season award. I mean, you can't be taken off games and, yeah. and win this award to me. You can't miss 12 games for LeBron and 15 for Kawhi and win this award when the other guy is playing every single day." I think it was when Westbrook won. Granted, he's not as efficient. He was, you know, 43% field goal percentage compared to LeBron's, which that year was like 54, 55. But yeah. then again, who, who were his options in Oklahoma City there? You're going to have a weaker field goal percentage when you're when more of the bulk scoring is relied on you. You know, right, right. That that's the thing with that's why once Kevin Durant, who's still an amazing player, I mean now he's, he's hurt, but I thought as soon as KD joined Golden State, neither him or Steph could win an MVP. No, you can't win an MVP when there's no pressure on you to do the thing you do best. I, I, you know, and I changed my mind on the Heat, but I don't know if I'll ever change my mind on the Warriors, like, deserving those titles with KD. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the one argument that I've heard that was is correct is that, it's not correct, but I could see why the person who made the argument believed what they believed. Golden State, before KD, was all draft picks. Mm -hmm. It was just a team that was drafted incredibly well. Their one free agent happened to be an MVP. I put he that already on. Had an MVP. So yeah. Like I mean, it just looked. It was a bad look for KD to leave OKC to yeah. join a team that had just won a title, or no, just lost after winning seventy three games. They yeah. won seventy three games without him, and then they joined. Everyone was like, "They're going to win eighty games. This is fucking. This is video game bullshit. Yeah. This totally sucks." But that's just the way. And it started with the Heat. I know people want to go back to the Celtics big three. But even that was two trades and one signing. Yeah. So um, I think, and look, LeBron got way, way too much flack for the decision that raised a lot of money, 
Um, it wasn't a good look in some sense, but I feel like a lot of that was overblown. I think what happened there, though, was it made it so that other players, other free agents were yes. like, well, this is just what we got to do. We got to we got to level up in a sense. And they even tried yeah. it, you know, LA tried it. The league screwed them on that one trade. And then later they got Dwight Howard and Steve Nash, who Dwight, Steve Nash at the time everyone knew was kind of going into his last year. So mm-hmm. they're hoping for they're hoping for one more good year out of him. But he was 37, I think, when that trade happened. And then Dwight Howard. I've never seen an athlete fall off a cliff the way Dwight Howard did. He got paid, and he felt like there was not much to prove. He thought they could have went on cruise control, and that was the complete opposite. Yeah. Can you think of anyone else who was like that elite who then just went down without a major injury? Because he never not, had a major injury. Not as – yeah, not, not no one like him. No, yeah, no I, one I, like him. I, I really can't think of anyone else like him. All right, so you did your awards. Who's winning it all? I, I think – it's going to be the Clippers. Okay. But I want it to be the Lakers, but I think it's going to be the Clippers. Who are they beating in the finals? The Bucks. Yeah, I like the Bucks too. My cousin texted saying he likes Miami Heat as a sleeper team. But I don't know. I have the Raptors as a sleeper team. That would be cool. I kind of root for that narrative of the team that's like, look, we love Kawhi. We understood why he left. But we still want to show up and still prove that we're worth it, you know? Because there was a lot of people who thought so many of their guys who had big years were flukes. I just think they, they are, you know, kind of like what the Spurs were to me. I know they lost Kawhi. I also think some weird things could happen, uh, whether, like, family obligations or weird stuff. It, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be different. I, I don't, I wouldn't put money on the Raptors, but, like, that's who I'd want and I think could do something kind of crazy and surprising. Well, dude, this is what's fun about sports in 2020, which has been such a fucking awful year in yeah. life in, in general, you know, is that every sport is like up for grabs in a sense. Yeah. And and we're kind of just like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's try that. Like yep. baseball, baseball is doing a thing where extra innings, the run, or it's going to start with the runner at second base. So, all right, it's tied 3-3 three, three after Whoa. nine, tenth inning. Uh, the home, the away team's leading off. You got a guy at second base to start the inning. Has anyone so ever done that? Has that started anywhere else? They tried it like at lower level minor leagues to like mix response. Some people liked it. Some people were like, "Oh, we'll just leave it the way it is." Extra innings are kind of fun, but they're doing it because it's like it's a shorter season, less days off. Um, yeah. They don't want to risk injuries to pitching staffs. They don't want 17 inning games. So they're like, let's speed this up. They're adding the DH to both leagues now, which I think is something that's long overdue. It never made sense as a sport to me to have one league have a certain set of rules and another league not, but then these two leagues face for the ultimate crown. That's weird. Yeah. It would be like if the AFC had field goals, but the NFC didn't. That's what the equivalent is. Or they have to the, uh, East had three pointers, but the West didn't. They're like, it's a stupid yeah. rule. Well, they did the, They changed the All Star game this year, and right after that is when the world went to shit. <laughs> like, yeah. we finally had an amazing All Star game, and the world was like, that's not supposed to happen. I know. It's fucked up, man. Anyway, I, I enjoyed the All Star game this year. And yeah. you worked on the All Star game in Chicago that year. Uh, yeah, I did a little bit of stuff. I was sick. I tried to meet up with you, but I was sick yeah. the whole week. I thought I had COVID. I'm still, still wondering if I did. Maybe I we all, yeah, test. I mean, we all, well, the antibody, they're finding the antibody test isn't that reliable. It's not accurate. It's really not, and it doesn't matter as much as what they believe. Yeah. I know I'm related to nurses, my wife, obviously, and, right, and doctors, right. and so I get some information from them, and I did a whole podcast where I told everyone, no, this thing's real. I, t- I talked to people who yeah. work in these hospitals, and, and then they do the whole thing where it's like, well, what if someone has this and this? They're marking it as a COVID death anyway. I'm like... 
okay, dude, if you, they market as multiple stuff. Cause there was a whole thing where someone's like, this guy had stage four cancer, but then he got COVID. So they're saying it's a COVID death. They go, well, technically it is. Yeah. Cause you maybe he would have lived another six months, but he got COVID. So he died then. Right. There right. you go. Like anyway. Um, all right. I want to, <laughs> I do, I've been doing this thing where I end the podcast asking people's favorites. Um, okay. I now call this, I now call this the Joe Kilgallen podcast. It was, it's also AKA Kilgallen's pub. I yeah. changed it to Joe Kilgallen podcast just for simple YouTube search reasons. And um, I do alcohol-related favorites. So, CJ, mm-hmm. if you could have one shot the rest of your life, what's that shot going to be? Uh, probably Makers. Makers. Yeah. I like the Makers that. guy. Good. Marty you know, DeRosa like, put me on to that years oh, and years ago. For, hey, Marty's a good guy for that because they're good for old fashions and they're good yep. for Manhattans. Mm-hmm. And it's 90 proof, so it's a little bit stronger than your average whiskey. Yeah. It's a good bourbon right there. Okay. Next, if you could do one mixed drink the rest of your life, what's it going to be? Moscow Mule. You're a Moscow Mule guy? Uh, I was a little bit before this, but pandemic, it's we'll buy the mixes or we just buy some ginger beer, and it's so easy to make. I mean, it's it's alcoholic Gatorade, you know? That is Okay, that's a good way to spin it. I like that. Yeah. Alcoholic Gatorade. All right, you could drink one beer the rest of your life. What's that beer going to be? Who? I'm not that big of a beer guy, but uh, I like a Pacifico. Okay. Yeah. Not bad. Pacifico, and I also, when I first started drinking, which is a little bit later than most people, at 22, a big uh, Heineken from the Lodge. Remember those? those? huge mugs that Mary would give you? There's something about that. I got to maybe find just a giant mug like that and just pour myself a giant Heineken like that. I did like those. From Mary was nice too, old older Irish woman. Cause back then, I don't know if you like you'd go and hang out the lodge, and maybe you knew some of the comics. Maybe you didn't really know anyone to hang out with just yet, and you'd get one of those, and it was like the the drink in your hand, and you're ready. Like, hey, I'm down to hang out. What are you guys up to? Like, just that feeling. I sort of I, I really miss. I do miss a good mug. I haven't had yeah. my hand on a good mug in a long time. I should order some fries. Have you ever mugs. seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet, but I got the screener upstairs. I've been you gotta waiting watch it. forever. This is what's going to happen when you have kids as a movie guy. Yeah. You, you, you two will still watch movies, but you're going to look at the running time. Yeah. There's That's a, a long few, one. Yes. There's been a few times where her and I have gotten together to watch movies, and I'm like, all right, let's see. we got to get through some of these screeners that we got here. And I'm like, Ugh, we're clocking in a little over three hours. And yeah. it's just like, no. You know? Um, <laughs> And it's just, it's, it gets a little tougher like that. The only movies we've been watching is I've, I created a shortcut to get her to see Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame because um, she hasn't seen, we kind of followed along up to Age of Ultron, but then she hadn't seen all these other movies. And I'm like, well, you got to see these. So yeah. I came up with a shortcut that some people could maybe try. Yeah. She saw up to Age of Ultron. So she knew enough there. I, we watched Civil War. because Civil War introduces Black Panther and right. Ant-Man. So then we don't have to watch Black Panther and Ant-Man. Although those are great movies and maybe later, but I, I want to get to this, you know. Then we watched um, Thor Ragnarok. Fucking One awesome. of my favorites, yeah. So good. And that introduces Doctor Strange as well. Mm-hmm. So then there you go. And then the end credits scenes, you know, Thanos' ship shows up. Yeah. Now we're going to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. So she already knows who Ant-Man is, so she doesn't need to see Ant-Man 1. So skipping to the sequel is fine. She'll, she'll but the sequel the sucks. Ant-Man and the Wasp, you're right, wasn't as strong as regular Ant-Man. Yeah. But I think it's enjoyable enough. I think she'd like it a lot. We'd love, we're both Walter Goggins fans, and he's mm-hmm. in some of it. So I, I, we'll dig it. And, yeah. um, and the end scene, though, you need to see the end credits, though, scene for that. I don't think I remember he, it. And the end credits is when he goes into the, what's the world? What's the, what, what do they call that? 
the quantum realm. He goes into the yeah. quantum realm, and they're supposed to pull him up, but then they disappear because of the whole snap. The Thanos oh. snap. Spoiler alert, everybody. And then we could watch, after that, we could watch Infinity War. And then, oh, then we watched, I, I forgot, we, I showed her both Guardians of the Galaxies. So oh, nice. Both of those. I, I, I was, both of those are awesome. One of the, my favorite things to YouTube is uh, Thor's hammer. When Captain America gets Thor's hammer, reaction. So just type in that reactions on YouTube and you can watch theaters across the world. People just fucking going nuts and it's amazing. Dude. I talked about it last week on the podcast. <laughs> not with not with Lisa. Yeah. I've been doing two podcasts a week. I did one with Lisa Traeger and the one with Ed Towns. He's a really cool comedian in Chicago. We talked about how that was like a Game 7 type of reaction. Oh, yeah. I, I wanted to stand up. I don't think I did, but I wanted to stand up. It is. I, it kind of like brings tears to my eyes when I'm like high and I watch it just on YouTube. It's did, such a badass scene. Did you cry at the end of Endgame? No, but I, 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 I really enjoyed it. It was one of one of my like most fun movies I've seen in theaters. Did you do you cry at movies ever? <laughs> I only when I'm so high. I cry, okay. the, the last time or the one time I really remember crying in a movie was just I teared up when I went and saw Wayne's World at the Music Box uh, back in like 2010 or 2012, and seeing it in a film on a giant screen. Uh, just the font and like the music and the audio just was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this in Chicago. Like it was, it was such a cool experience. I saw Wayne's World in the theater, like the weekend it came out when I was a kid. Wow. Yeah. yeah I was, like I was seven in 1992, I think, or some shit. They passed by Chicago that. Joe's. Like, Dude, which is such a cool spot for us. You yeah. Know? Uh, all right. So I only asked if you cried other movies because I never cried at movies. Okay. I, I think I teared up at... The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a <laughs> tough one. It's, it's a tough one. But I was never a crier. Since my kids have been born, really, I think it started when the Cubs won the World Series because I cried then. Yeah. But really, since my kids have been born, I cry at movies, like, all the time now. Even at a few movies where people are like, are you really getting teary-eyed right now? Dude, that scene in Dumb and Dumber when he's looking out the window. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. When he's looking out the window. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he says to Harry, he goes, you know what I'm sick and tired of? I'm sick and tired of having of being nobody. And most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. And the way he does it, and he's like, I'm sick and tired of eking my way through life. Obviously, I'm, I can't act the way Jim Carrey can. Right. But, like, I, maybe I could have really studied. But, no, I'm fucking around. Dude, I don't know why, but I always got sad at that scene. And well, I know it's because like a funny movie. Yeah. But. It's like you're, you have kids, and me too, with, like, getting married. Like, it unlocks something. It chips away. Marriage unlocks something. Kids unlock a whole new set of these emotions because I started, you start to get, like, the flashbacks to when, like, things happen to you as a kid, and you're like, oh, I don't want that to happen to my kid. Yep. And then you start to think, well, it's life. I can't protect him from everything. Yeah. Some people are going to be mean to him, and that's just part of it, and he's going to have to learn how to overcome that and all that kind of stuff. And then I get to the point where it's like, well, why can't I protect him from everything? Who gives yeah. a fuck? Life's short. I'm more than happy to protect him from everything. Get, I don't care. Well, am I going to die knowing that I made sure my kid had a great life? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I could go back and forth on that because I grew up, I had to grow up kind of fast in some senses. You know, my yeah. parents divorced when I was really young. Um, you know, I grew up in Chicago. Like, I grew up in a pretty good neighborhood, but it had some gang activity. Like, it was it was a very mixed blue-collar neighborhood. Um, most of my friends lived in apartments. We lived in apartments when we were 10, and then my dad remarried and bought, like, a typical Chicago bungalow, which is which I love. It's a great house. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I went to Chicago public grade school. Then I went to a 
Catholic high school. So I always teetered on that like bridge of middle to lower middle class and then middle to upper middle class, like that range, you know? Yeah. Like, dude, I remember going to a, a kid's birthday party when I was like in sixth grade. Dude, there was six or seven people living in a one bedroom basement apartment. Damn. And I remember just being like, where the fuck do they everyone sleep? Because we were only in the backyard. Yeah. Like we'd go into the into their apartment to use the bathroom if we had to. And I just remember being like, all right, there's the kitchen. That's, I think that's the living room. Here's the bathroom. Where the fuck is everyone else staying? It was just one of those. Yeah. There was a few like kind of sad situations like that, though. All right, man. One more question. Okay. Or two more. Two more. I'm sorry. Drunk yeah. food. What's your favorite drunk food? Um, I'm trying to think like specific or just like the type. Uh, like if you're like good night out and you're, you're feeling it and you're like, I need to get something to eat. I just, I mean, uh, my, my, it used to be burrito house in Chicago. And I know I just like talking about Chicago with you, but truly uh, I couldn't replicate it. Cause I would get a burrito and nachos and just like they had just like the right thing to hit I that got or Mexican food too. Yeah. Yeah. I found some good spots out here in our neighborhood. Um, that are like pizza Domino's. Okay, really cool. Good. No, yeah. that's good. I mean, I, when I asked Lisa Traeger this question, and sorry, I keep mentioning Lisa, everybody. I'm not trying to oh, yeah. plug last week's episode, but she's good friends with both of ours. Uh, she went from burrito, and then she asked me mine, and I said French toast, and she's like, oh, fuck, I want mm, breakfast food now. And so I, yeah. made her, I made her switch to, like, breakfast food stuff. Going to a diner when you're drunk is great. Such it a good so move. It is so much fun. Yeah. Okay, last question. Historical slash famous person historical almost makes it seem like a world leader but it doesn't have to be any famous dead person mm -hmm. you'd want to get drunk with that's a big J question so take your time john hughes oh ne fucking right away you nailed yeah. it dude yeah perfect i always think about that yeah john hughes died same summer that my dad died and i'm always like there's just something about it i don't yeah. i don't even know how to connect it aside from the proximity of date but i'm like damn what would you ask him? What would you ask John? Um, just how he did it. Dude, I mean, again, he was like Ferris. I know we talked a long time about this, but like one of the greatest stories was that he's working at an ad agency and flights were cheap back then. And the Harvard um, or the National Lampoon was a satirical uh, newspaper and they had an office in New York and he used to just put a cup of coffee on his desk to look like he was in the bathroom and he'd fly to New York for the day. Yeah. And he'd hang out at that office. And he if eventually they let him write for him. And then vacation, you know, all that stuff. So it, it really, his body of work from 1979 to 1992 is really insane. Yeah. Everybody, this man wrote Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. Uncle Buck. Again, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Breakfast Clubs, Great Outdoors. Panels, great Outdoors. I mean, um, Home Alone 1 and 2. Like, mm -hmm. it's just the Christmas Vacation vacation like you said it was it's just really i'm sure we're missing a few whenever i talk to john hughes with people later or the next day i'll go fuck how did i not mention that movie you know you know it's endless we talked about people who hate ferris bueller there is a movie that i love that not many people love i think it was written and produced by hughes not directed by him called career opportunities and it is about a town liar who everyone knows sucks so it's like if you hate ferris Imagine Ferris in a world where everyone knows he's a liar, cheater, stupid, and like doesn't get away with anything, but he just keeps trying to perform these stunts. It's about him and Target. 
They, yeah, he's trapped in a fucking Target. Yep. Oh my God, I was talking about this movie not that long ago with someone, yeah. and we couldn't think of the name. Ah, uh, what's great. the actress? She's young Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly's like she's 18. a babe in it. Yeah. Or she, I think she's 1920 maybe. Well, <laughs> I'm hoping she's 19 or 20. Yeah. Make me her too. Older. Although yeah. when I saw the movie, to be fair, everyone, yeah. I was like 12. So, right. or even younger than that, because the movie came out like in the late 80s. I was born in 84, so I was yeah. probably, I, but I, I saw, I remember seeing it specifically when I was like 10 or 11, right around the age where I'm like, oh, I like women. There is yeah. a scene where these old stores like the Kmarts and Targets used to have like little merry-go-rounds. You put a quarter in and the kid yeah. goes around it. This one was like a horse mm-hmm. and like they kind of like, you know, like a, I don't know what you'd call it, like not like a, a raging bull type of thing, but it was like a horse that goes up yeah. and down. Google or YouTube that scene, <laughs> everybody, because it is one of the hottest scenes in cinematic history, in my opinion. It's also a good so movie hot. that I think, but yeah, it is. No, that, that scene in particular. Sucks. That scene's amazing. <laughs> no, I can't remember if it's a good movie or not. I think I liked it as a kid, though. I've only yeah. seen it like the one time, and it's that scene's been etched in my brain, though, man. Yeah. All right, good, uh, good round. Let me ask you this: If you don't, if you have time, do you want to yeah. do, uh, do you want a little bonus for the Patreon? Yeah, let's do it. We'll do a little fuck Mary kill because you're a movie guy. Okay. Here's what I do differently. Everybody, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to subscribe to the Patreon for this. I reach into my big bin of DVDs because I recently we moved some furniture around, so I threw a bunch of old DVDs in this big bin. I blindly reach in, pull out, I pull out three DVDs. Those are the characters for your choices of who you'd fuck, marry, or kill. Nice. Kind of yeah, classic American game that I do it in a little slightly different way of how I choose the the people you're gonna bang. Anyway, um, CJ, tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, what what's do they check out of yours? Uh, at CJ Toledano on everything, and then uh, Megan and I, my wife, have a sports podcast with iHeartRadio where we, it's called The Greatest, and essentially every every episode we debate the greatest of all time of a certain sports category. So like, greatest comeback, greatest, we haven't done like greatest athlete, but like greatest duos, greatest beefs, stuff like that, so. Yeah, no, it's really fun. It's such a great title for a podcast. Yeah. It's pretty uh, It's pretty endless. I uh, now remember, we talked about Tom Hanks in the very beginning of Castle, how his hair turned blonde. Yeah. Is that a thing? Four years of just the sun beating down on you, maybe you could turn blonde. I would like to research that. Yeah. The reason I wanted to look into it is I read a really interesting thing. Like, look, everyone, I am like the whitest person on the planet. Super pasty. I have two sons. My one son, my eldest son, he's got my pastiness. Where when people see them, they go, holy shit, he's as white as you are. He might be whiter. My other son, Dylan, is white, but he's got Nicole's skin, so he's a shade or two darker than me and um, my other son. Anyway, I mentioned this because I read a thing where even the whitest people in the world like me, if I were to move my family to the, the Congo in the middle of Africa, near the equator, after a thousand years, my offspring's offspring's offspring, the descendants of me from moving to Africa would be as dark as like Manute Bull. Wow. Because it's just, that's just, everything is cosmetic, everybody. So, yeah. like, the whole idea of hating people for skin color really is the stupidest thing ever. Bill Nye. Bill Nye just, there's a viral clip of Bill Nye going around where he explains a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I think I, I, did, I had the sound up. I think Rex Chapman's uh, Twitter shared yeah. that. What do you think yeah. about Rex Chapman on Twitter? I love him. I love it, too. I At first, something. I was like, what is this guy trying to do? But, man, he has a really great story. Um, and he does. I, I think he's done it long enough, and he's put his twist on it, and, like, I think he, he's he's really good. I saw him get criticized for, like, regurgitating other people's material, but I'm like, he's he's retweeting. It's like, 
you get credit. You would see who the Absolutely. original poster was. Yeah. Well, and Omar gets the same criticism, but it is like you're you're a curator. Like he's not retweeting or posting the bad videos, so it's not like he knows exactly what people are gonna like. Yeah, you become like a hub. You become like a hub mm -hmm. for something, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and you always get permission. Every now yeah. and then I'll see something where House of Highlights will yep. comment, hey, can we get permission, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think it's all legit. But everyone, definitely check out The Greatest. Uh, I've listened to a few episodes. I really like it. I think it's a really cool concept. we got to have you on. Think yeah, of what, do, man. Think of your category that you'd want to do. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll try to stick away from, like, any, like, Jordan LeBron stuff because it's, like, too obvious. Obviously, I, I don't know. Like yeah, I we would always be down. I know you would be, but Megan would probably call me an idiot after a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it'd be really fun. Everyone, they, I, 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 I like the episode you guys do with Megan's parents are really cool. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a really cool concept. I, I listened. To, I've listened. To, I've listened to all of them. But Sierra Tiana's episode was good. Yeah. Um, that was food. Stadium food, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I like actually, we try to keep it a little. That made me hungry, man. No, that's what's yeah. smart. That's what you guys are doing. It's smart. Kevin Bozeman and I, you know Kevin Bozeman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great comedian. We were talking about doing one. Me and him wanted to do one because he had just did, like the first two weeks of quarantine, he did his top 25 NBA players of all time. Mm -hmm. Dude, and he wrote like almost little essays about why he chose them, Great. why they weren't higher, which is a cooler thing, a spin of doing like a top whatever list. And it was really detailed and really cool because he's a gambler too. Yeah. So he's got like that gambler's memory where it's like, <laughs> Let me tell you how he fucked me. And like, I don't know, it was really fun. And I was telling him, I'm like, dude, you should have filmed yourself doing these. These could have been two minute clips for Instagram or whatever. Right. I just think, because his insight was amazing and it was entertaining. I'm like, yeah, these would have taken off if you would have done this other than just, because he just made them as Facebook posts, I think. And then he was like, well, let's work on something. Let's come up with an idea. And then we we're trying to do something. And I'm like, well, CJ, CJ and Megan have that. And then we were talking about doing like a Mount Rushmore podcast where we name our Mount Rushmore stuff. But now people want to tear down Mount Rushmore. <laughs> and then I, I think there's also a podcast called the Mount Rushmore podcast. But they haven't done a new podcast since like 2018. So I want to be like, hey, give us the fucking name, dude. Yeah. If you're going to fucking leave it blank. Anyway, I support. Everyone. I support all that stuff. Do oh, it. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Every, uh, but aren't you CJ HOH on Instagram? Not anymore. Or CJ Taldano? Yeah. Hell yeah. Everyone check out CJ Taldano and everything. Uh, support the Patreon. My latest album you can listen to for free on Spotify or buy it on Apple. Whatever you want to do. I, I really appreciate it. It goes a long way. Everyone, thank you for listening to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast.